It is currently five past nine on Thursday night. The Apple event was earlier today. My beloved Virginia Tech Hokies are presently losing to the University of Pittsburgh. I am I am watching it out of the corner of my eye on my iPad on the Watch ESPN app, which is actually very nice. And I am trying desperately to pay attention to what you guys are saying rather than watch my beloved Hokies. And so if I accidentally let out a cheer, maybe given that we're losing 21-16, a not happy cheer that Marco may have to bleep. My apologies, but this is what I do for you listeners. That's it would be how much kind of incredible, though, to be to be like perfectly well timed. Like we're talking about, like you know, this new touch bar. And Casey's like, you know, like that. Come on, that would be kind of amazing. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past me. So no promises. <laughs> All right, so we do have a, an infinitesimally small bit of follow up. Get yes. All right, we're within 10 yards. That's, that's a good deal. Uh, so we have an infinitesimally small amount to follow up. All right, so, so for joke reference, this is, a, this is a football team you're watching? Yes, this is a football okay. team I'm watching. I, I have to know which sport to make terrible jokes about. Fair enough. Uh, oh, and is, isn't the World Series tonight as well, actually, come to think of it? Uh, one of the games, I mean? Probably. It, isn't it like every night? I mean, is it like that's the thing. Like baseball, baseball is like a DDoS attack. It's just like every night there's baseball. <laughs> like you can't get away from baseball. There's just constantly games everywhere, every day. That is amazing. Oh, well done, sir. So we do have a bit of follow up, and for the first time in like two or three weeks, it's not me, John. What have you been up to lately? I did actually make it to an Apple store to check out the phones that were there. This it was a dedicated trip. The only reason I went was, <laughs> Timely. was to yeah to check out the phones. We're going to start by talking about the iPhone. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it'll be quick. It'll be Here's quick. a picture we'll you took with one. Here's another picture you took with one. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was going to oh send them goodness. to Tim, but I decided not to. Um, and I was hoping it would clarify. He, he had plenty. It would clarify which one I wanted to get. It didn't really help me that much because... Really? Uh, yeah, because... I know I have a dilemma. I think I've kind of decided what I'm going to do, but you know, yeah. So the jet black one is grippier. Uh, it would look better if people didn't touch it, but people touch it, so it looks gross. It has little scratches <laughs> on it. Like, but we already covered all of this ground. Um, I think what I'm going to, I think what's going to end up happening is I'm going to experience the worst of all possible worlds because what I think I'm going to do is buy a jet black one and try using it without a case. And then eventually decide that I can't handle it without a case because it looks too ugly and gets scratched too much. And then buy a case for it later after it's already damaged and scratched up and put a leather case on my scratched up jet black iPhone 7. At least it wouldn't be a lie. At least you, you wouldn't have this pristine phone under there that you think no. is totally unscratched, but there's actually one scratch on the side. Yeah, I think I can keep it pretty well. But like, I, I, the thing is, I've never, I, all of my iPod touches I've had cases for, and my one iPhone I had a case for, so I'm just going to give it a try without a case, because this one is grippy enough that I feel like, all right, you know, let's, let's give it a try, and can I handle the damage that is inevitably going to happen to this? So I think I'm going to give it a try. I almost bought one when I was there, but then I remembered that I'm not supposed to buy one until... I can renegotiate some Verizon thing in like 10 days or something. And they only had 256 gig models anyway, so I didn't get one. But I think that's what I'm going to do. Get a jet black one, try it without a case, see how long I last. I predict that will not last long. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, are you planning to get Apple Care? Oh, yes. Yes, I always do. I bought myself this matte black iPhone 7, which... I stand by a few weeks later is the prettiest iPhone I think I've ever I've ever owned. I really genuinely believe it's great looking. It is slicker than anything you can imagine, but it's really darn good looking. Yes. All right. Field goal. That's a good sign. Only oh down by God. two. Um, so anyway, so I 
I got this jet. This excuse me, this Matt Black iPhone. Uh, I got, this is all staying in the show, you know. Oh, that's fine. Um, the, the listeners will take this journey with me. So <laughs> tomorrow, I got Apple Care. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got this. I got this Apple Care Plus for the very first time. I never got an Apple Care on anything before, to the best of my recollection, and I feel okay about this. Meanwhile, later that same launch day, I order Aaron a, a an iPhone Seven, no Apple Care Plus because she always uses a case. We go to a football game this past weekend, and her phone falls out of her pocket because why wouldn't it? It's slick as a bar of soap, and she didn't have her case on it yet. Ask me what happened to Aaron's phone, her three-week-old phone. Did you spill water on it? No. That, that would actually be kind of okay. Why did it not have a case on it yet? How long does it take for the case installation process after well, after it is <laughs> purchased? This is like you have to bring it to the dealer to put the case on? You just it, take it out of the box and you put it in the case. Well, the rust-proof coating on the undercarriage is really expensive and it takes a long time. Now, mm-hmm. um, what ended up happening was we had gotten an Apple case, but even the silicone cases are ridiculously expensive. Just wait. Just wait. The silicone cases are like 30 or 40 bucks. And so we had had one, but we were thinking, oh, maybe we can find something that's effectively the same on Amazon. Hadn't opened up the Apple one in case we could return it. So what ended up happening was in order to attempt to save the $40, I think it was, for the, the silicone case that we had already purchased, we ended up now having $130 worth of damage that is yet to be fixed because... This is like when your UPS was sitting next to your computer during the thunderstorm, not plugged into it. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> you have the case sitting at home in, in the box while you drop your phone. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's absolutely accurate. So, oh my God. so get Apple Care is really the moral of the story here. Or put the darn phone in a case and don't be like me. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code ATP at checkout to get 10% off. Now, Squarespace sites look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. You can be a complete novice or you can be a coding expert, and Squarespace is there for you at all skill levels. They have intuitive, easy-to-use tools, and you can even get a free domain if you sign up for a whole year up front. And there is so much to love about Squarespace. I always, I, we use Squarespace for our site. I've used it for projects before where people wanted to ask me to make a website, and I said, look, you don't need me have here Squarespace and I show them how to use it and sometimes I like you know get them started for like a half hour and it looks incredible and they think I did all that and it turns out it's just Squarespace Squarespace is just that good and then they can help themselves and if they didn't need any support after that they can just ask Squarespace. They don't have to ask me. It's incredible. You get so much built in with Squarespace. If you have a project, you need to make a website for it. It is usually not worth doing anything else. It's usually just worth going to Squarespace, have them do all the hard stuff for you. And if you have if you have to make a site for somebody else, it's even more of an obvious sell. Check it out. Start your free trial site today at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code ATP to get 10% off your first purchase. Thanks a lot to Squarespace for sponsoring our show. I'm all fired up. I'm ready to go. It's the Mac Day. I'm so happy, but yet asterisks. But other, for the most part, I'm happy. It's Mac Day. <laughs> we should start by talking about TV then. <laughs> we should. <laughs> to give an accurate simulation of the experience of watching this <laughs> this presentation. Well, you know that with John on the phone, we, we cannot skip anywhere. We're going to have to go chronologically. So let's start with the TV. <sighs> things have happened for the Apple TV. And in fact, things have happened for more than just the Apple TV. They've happened for ios as well the mac well i mean who cares about the mac it's just a mac event so uh but yeah there's an apple tv app or tv app i should say for ios 
Not for the Mac, but for iOS, and as well for the TV, of course. And it's it's all things to all people, as long as you don't care about Netflix or Amazon. Yeah, this it's weird, kind of weird that they did TV stuff in this thing. Although we kind of knew that they were going to, with you know, just just software features, no hardware features. They haven't fixed the Apple TV remote or anything like that. But they did want to talk about their new, uh, you know, making the experience of actually watching TV on your Apple TV better, which is hey, a good thing to do. Maybe don't spend so long on it in front of an event that's supposed to be about mix, but whatever. Uh, but I think it's worth talking about because this presentation kind of showed that Apple is still chipping away. At Apple TV making steady progress, but on the other hand, I think it also highlighted all the ways that they're behind. And uh, I had a couple of thoughts in my head while watching this. One was that everything they were showing you, like unified interface TV, convenient place to watch all your stuff, easier than going to find like what app was I watching that thing in or whatever, you know, having a unified TV thing keeps track of what you're watching, even if you're using another app to watch it, trying to bring everything together. Like their goal of, uh, you know, I forget what the words were. I'll try to scrub to it in the video here, but like a unified TV experience or whatever. You can't, uh, what is it? Unified TV experience. There you go. You can't actually deliver on that until you hit some critical mass of content. And it's debatable what that critical mass of content is, but obviously we would agree that if you just had HBO, it's never going to be a unified interface. Or if you didn't have some of the major sports, it wouldn't be unified interface. But like, I'm not quite sure what that is, but I think Apple Apple TV does not yet have a critical mass of content. Uh, and you may say that's based solely on Netflix not participating in this. That is enough at this point to say no, because people want their Netflix. They have exclusive content. People like it. If that's not part of this experience, so much for unified. It's already bifurcated and it's just going to splinter even more for things like local sports that you can't get. So... The goal of unified experience is fine, but as discussed many, many times in the past, if you're not going to do the omnivorous box thing, you can never present a unified interface unless you literally contain all the content someone wants to watch on TV. And they're, I don't think they're close to that for most people because there's always going to be something that's not in Apple TV or not in the TV app in Apple TV for most people. A few people who only watch the things that are in there, fine. But like, if that's their goal... They need to work on the business side of this to figure out if we had these content providers, we could get, you know, we would cover 80% of the of the viewing public's needs or whatever. And I'm sure that changes from country to country and region to region, but they're, I don't think they're close now. So that's depressing, but that has nothing to do with technology. It has to do entirely with business deals. Um, and the next thing is the TV button, the, the, the icon on, on the remote for the TV button like it's kind of the home button was you know when you press it you go back to the screen with all the little rectangles where all your different apps are right but that icon that's printed on the remote is also the little glyph that's on the tv app and so in the demo they showed if you go to the tv app launch it and like there's a bunch of things you're watching and you click on one of them like game of thrones and then you're chucked off into the hbo app where you're watching game of thrones and then you hit the tv icon it takes you back to the TV application, not back to the screen with a bunch of little rectangles. And it's kind of like mm. this button and this this thing go together and like it should have been there from the beginning, but it could be retconned in. But either way, it kind of changes the fundamental experience, I think, for the better, kind of in the same way that the Apple Watch experience was changed. It's like, look, people don't want to go back to basically springboard on their Apple TV all the time. It's supposed to be a television watching device. And if you're watching television, the television watching should be the central thing. Like when you hit the TiVo button, you go back to, well, that's not a good example because it always takes you back to the stupid main TiVo central, whatever. Anyway, 
Um, recentering the center of gravity of the tel- of Apple TV on television, I think, is a good idea. Uh, but then now all of a sudden, the Apple TV reframed in this way, less as a like humongous iPad that you don't touch. You know, like it's just like a big iPad. You know, less like a oh, Springboard is the heart of everything, right? Um, Springboard is not the heart of everything. The TV app is the heart of Apple TV because it's all about watching TV. And sometimes you might want to play games or whatever, but really you want to be using the TV app. And reframed like that, then again, you see how far behind on there. Where are the user profiles? How can I switch to like my kids thing where all their apps are going? Oh, there's like up next or whatever. Yeah, fine. If you live alone and only one person ever watches TV shows at the same time, that's great. How do I switch to, you know, a different account with a different Apple ID or with the same Apple ID. All these things that Netflix has long since figured out, because when you launch a Netflix app, you can pick who you want to be, and you have your own queue of stuff, and you have your own thing that you've watched last, and I'm not going to go up to it and find out the next thing that's up next for me is like, you know, uh, some Disney Channel show that my daughter was watching that I don't want to watch, right? They're so far behind just the Netflix app, let alone other full television experience, you know, attempts to be a unified thing. So, I'm glad Apple TV is making progress. I think they're moving in the right direction, but they're still behind and the remote sucks. Well, how do you really feel? Um, You know, I was really excited to see the um, live sports stuff. And granted, as we've already discussed, I am not at all watching college football right now. But being able to just say to Siri, you know, put on the Virginia Tech game or, or what have you, that that's really powerful and really awesome. When it works when it works, which I mean, well, I'm going on faith that it generally does. But that that's really exciting. And that's like you said, it's movements in the right direction. But I, I just have a hard time thinking that for me, this is going to be much of an improvement. Because generally speaking, when I'm using the Apple TV, which I do darn near daily, I'm using Plex, or I'm using Netflix, or occasionally I'm using the standard music app. It's very rare I am doing anything else. So having to go, I guess how this would work is I would hit the TV, what was once the home button, to go to the TV app, and then I guess hit it again to go to Springboard? Maybe? I don't know if it, it might take you back to the Springboard-y thing if, you're, if you haven't first launched Apple TV. I have no idea how it work. We saw a demo with two seconds worth of interaction. We'll find out when we get the OS update, I suppose. But anyway, if if going back to Springboard is via the Apple TV app, or I'm sorry, the TV app always, that's actually going to be a, a disappointing change for me. But I hope, I really, really hope that in the future, the Netflix and Amazon stuff gets squared away so that they can be included because... Um, Amazon is going to be important to me soon because of the grand tour. Like I said, Netflix is where we watch pretty much any TV that isn't on, you know, terrestrial television and, and Plex is for movies and other things. So I I feel like this is a step in the right direction, but it's not there yet. And man, I'm hopeful though. I'm super hopeful, even though I don't expect anything to actually happen. And Apple has a lot of work to do if it wants to get these things in, like get Netflix on board. If this is the unified TV experience, you need to have Netflix in there. Get Amazon to have a thing like integrate. Make sure the people who should be integrating do make sure Plex is integrated. Like if you really want to be unified, you have to reach out. And it's really hard to get Netflix on board when Apple keeps making motions about, oh, we're going to be our, make our own content like they're doing that reality show. And Tim Cook keeps talking about, well, you know, we, we're looking into funding content and like making your own content is directly competing with Netflix and Amazon, who are also making their own content. Um, and I I think it's easier to work with something like HBO, which also makes its own content, because HBO has no 
pretensions to make a digital platform for television watching like they're not selling little pucks that you connect to your tv they don't sell network services they're all about the content so that is a little bit more of a straightforward thing but anyway if this is their plan they they got a lot of work to do so while we're waiting for the new apple tv with a a non-crappy remote to come out hopefully all of apple's little business people are scurrying around trying to get these deals to happen doing whatever it takes or just don't be a tv platform like if you're going to play in this game and try to provide a unified interface then provide a unified interface i don't want to see you know 10 years from now three or four islands of content with their own apps and their own ecosystems totally separate from each other it's annoying all right anything else about the tv i know i know marco you are really excited to talk about it some more but oh yes i care so much about television you know you say that and i know to some degree you're being silly but don't you watch all of your tv through the apple tv yeah and i don't care about it whatsoever like to me i the apple tv is something that i it's i kind of treat the apple tv the way a lot of like our friends who who love ipad so much treat the mac it's like it's a thing that i use I choose it as as the best of a whole bunch of tools I don't care about, um, and I use it, and I don't really think about it. Um, I, I don't have a lot of passion for TV or TV-related things or TV-related boxes. Uh, the Apple TV, the new Apple TV box is largely fine. It could be better in a lot of ways. I think it will always just be fine. The old one was always just fine also. It's, if, you know, the Apple TV has, as a product line has been around for quite some time, uh, and it has always been fine. Uh, so I expect it to continue to be fine and for me to continue to use it on a regular basis, but really just never think about it at all, except when I'm using it and it doesn't work. I think you'll appreciate the up next thing, because if you actually use that TV app, it's an easier way to get back. What was I doing before on the Apple TV if it hasn't retained state on the thing to be able to just go to that? Except that the things that I that I, that I watch most often are Netflix and Plex, uh, mm, which yeah, I'm pretty well. sure will probably never be in <laughs> it. Will not be in the, yeah. <laughs> so, yep, I hear you. You know, I, it's the kind of thing like I don't I don't have cable, so I don't have a cable login. So I can't I, I don't use any apps that require a cable login. Uh, I do have HBO go now whichever one i had one of the hbos now but i've actually been thank you i've actually been uh, thinking about canceling it because we hardly ever watch anything there like we, we watch stuff in bursts and you can always just turn it off and turn it on again touchdown oh no never mind damn <laughs> uh, regardless i don't think i'm i'm going to possibly ever see this tv app or if i do it'll be um something that gets in my way that that you know i have to like click the the fake home button one more time out of to get to what i really want to watch all right. Anything else on the Apple TV? Is your team losing it? Uh, they are losing. I thought we had a touchdown, which would have put us somewhat comfortably in the lead, but I was mistaken. Mm. <laughs> Riveting. Uh, you know, we forgot to uh, mention something. They uh, Apple opened the keynote with a really lovely video on accessibility. And yeah. I mean that genuinely. Uh, I completely forgot to mention that. Uh, I thought that was really cool. And they said that they're going to, uh, or I guess, I think it's already there. I just haven't looked at it yet. They're they're going to have like a top level, so to speak, accessibility page uh, on their website, which we should check out and we'll find it and put a link in the show notes. Um, but th- I thought that was a really great video. And, and in many ways, I think that's Apple at its best. And, and I just wanted to applaud them for it because I thought that that was really good stuff. Apple has always been really good with accessibility stuff. Like, you know, they haven't been perfect by all means. And anybody who uses these technologies will tell you the various times they haven't been perfect. But compared to what almost everyone else in the industry does, Apple's accessibility support is just world class. It's so good. 
and what you get out of the box with Apple products for for things like screen readers and and click control things, you know, all sorts of of various technologies. A lot of times, this kind of stuff is available on other platforms, but only if you like buy additional software or have additional hardware, even. And it's just it's it it is so, like what you get with Apple out of the box with all their products, accessibility wise, is just ridiculously good compared to everything else in the market. I think the most important feature of these videos uh, is, aside from you know making people think Apple is a nice company and you know doing all the like the, the PR effect that cynically we're like, oh, you go to these videos, show you such, you're such a nice company. Well, a they are a nice company, and b that the the other side effect of this is that it exposes people who don't use these features, people like me, uh, don't use these features for the most part, to the fact that they exist and how they work. I had no idea that the camera on the iPhone will speak to you about who's in the frame and and whether it finds a face and how big the face is. So a person who can't see can it take pictures with the, with the camera. Like when do regular people experience these features? I don't think most people go into accessibility and turn on accessibility features created for people who have uh, bad or no vision or can't hear or so on and so forth. Just experiment with it, right? Most people don't see these features at all. And so when you say accessibility, maybe people don't even know what you mean. You're like. Well, well, what do you mean? How can a blind person use an iPhone? You got to see the screen, right? People just don't know, right? Uh, and this, these things, I think, show, you know, what Marco just said, how far these products go to be usable in situations that regular people don't consider because they they don't have, if, if you don't if you don't have these limitations, uh, you don't know what thing what affordances are there to help you with them until you need them. Like it's as we all get old, for example. Uh, I'm sure most of us will be cranking up the text size and all of a sudden we'll appreciate that feature that we never touched before. Like my parents use their iPhone, like six size device in like the big mode where I forget what it's called, but like you've, everything is bigger. It's like zoomed in. It's a non-native res. Uh, and that feature is meaningless to me now, but eventually as my vision gets worse, suddenly it'll be like, Oh, I'm glad that's there. These videos do a good job of highlighting to both users and developers that this stuff is actually there. Um, so that when they do eventually get older and start, uh, you know, their, their sensory perception starts changing, they'll know to go and find those and they'll feel good about, you know, using a product line that, that offers these features. And for developers, it's reminding them it's not just about putting labels on your things. There's other, you know, go, go the extra mile, like see what we did with the camera app. If you have a camera app, you could do something like this too. your application will be more accessible. All right. What else was spoken about pre-Mac stuff? There was nothing that pertinent, right? Didn't they talk about iPhones briefly? Uh, they talked about how well the Apple Watch is selling, but not giving any numbers, I don't think. And yeah, I mean, it does, who cares? We'll, we'll talk about Macs. It's a Mac day. They talk about like, they talk about like iOS uh, penetration of uh, iOS 10 versus the latest version of Android or whatever. They, let's 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 be honest they were killing time I, mean, I don't know why they were killing time they they didn't have like it's not as if it's one thing to have filler and the second thing to just make what should have been a much shorter presentation way too long but they did uh we forgot to mention something about the apple tv minecraft is on the apple tv is that and i'm i'm not trying to be snarky is that something we care about like is that a big deal or is or do you think no one will use that i don't know squat about minecraft i don't i don't think that's that but i mean it, it it's it's a big deal in that minecraft is super popular and tons of people will buy it and play it uh but minecraft is available on like every platform in the universe so the fact that it's on apple tv now yeah you have parody good but you know. All right, so I guess I've run out of reasons to stall, other than to say that <laughs> tech is up twenty two twenty one over Pitt. Uh, let's talk about the Mac. Overall, I feel like this is okay. I, I think this was good. I certainly have been left. I've 
there's certain things that I'm disappointed by. But in the grand scheme of things, these new MacBook Pros look really darn good. Really, really good. I'm amped about the, uh, what do they call it, the touch bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I, I don't know if I'll like it, but tentatively, it looks good. I'm excited. I'm excited to try it, even though I don't plan on buying one, and I'm not going to get one from work for two years. But anyway, I'm excited to try it. Uh, I am sad, although completely unsurprised, that they don't have like a Magic Keyboard update that included it. I understand that leaving that screen on would surely take a not insignificant amount of battery power, but I mean, the Magic Keyboard is rechargeable now, so who really cares? If I have to charge it once... You connect it with a wire, and then you wouldn't have that problem. I mean, that I wouldn't want to be an animal, but I could do that. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I would love to see a magic keyboard that had this touch bar on it. I don't expect it'll happen, but it would be neat. And I say that in part because at home I use a desktop, I use an iMac and certainly today there was no real talk about anything for the desktop, but I, I can't say I'm surprised by that either. I mean, what are they really going to do to the iMac? There's not really any new chips are there. And, and outside of maybe a new fancy keyboard wired or wireless, or maybe I guess you could put different ports on it. You could put USB-C ports on it, but that's not that remarkable to me. So I, I'm not too surprised that there's not a lot of desktop activity. Nobody really thought the Mac Pro would be updated. Am I right? I mean, come on. We were talking about this last week. Marco said exactly the same thing. Like, if we're going to update the iMac at all, it's just USB-C ports, and we didn't mention a, a, another fancy keyboard. But well, that's not entirely true. The I believe the KB Lake CPUs are available roughly for the iMac. I'm not sure like if they're in volume really yet, but technically new CPUs are basically available for the iMac now. I know, but but none of us expected the iMac to come or, or I did. the Mac Pro or the Mac Mini. You expected the iMac, really? The iMac has been updated the last two falls. Like it it made yeah. sense. Like it it is right on schedule for the iMac to be updated. I'm guessing it's it probably is not far off. Like I mean, I wouldn't expect it like next week, but I'm guessing it's not going to be like another year until the next iMac update. It's probably going to be a few months, maybe. I don't know. I th- you're more optimistic than I am. I like like I said in the last show. I think they should keep updating the iMac, but I have dim hopes that they will. Like because I mean, I, I I don't understand the reasoning behind the cadence of like doing iMac updates so faithfully and then just dropping it. But I totally expected not to have any desktop max at this thing at all well the thing is like you know what it, it doing an update when it's when it's a fairly minor processor and motherboard chipset update it is not that hard it doesn't take that much engineering work for apple you know not 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 any more engineering work than any other update is like and and it used to be not that long ago that every time there was a new chipset out for either the macbook the macbook pro the macbook air or the imac it got updated like within a month of that new chip coming out uh, so it, it's only been in, in these recent years where there's all where there's been like Apple skipping generations and Intel having weird delays. It's only been in those years that we started having these things where Apple is kind of like deciding whether they want to bother updating things. I mean, it used to just be assumed, of course, they would update their main computers with the new chips that came out. Uh, and so the iMac line of chips has not had those problems that that all the mobile ones have had with Intel. So the iMacs have actually been updated on a regular basis until right now, and it's a little questionable why it wasn't there now, and I guess the answer will will not be 
uh, a parent until whenever it is updated next. Then we'll figure out like you know why why did it not get updated now? I guess. But well, I think I think I have an answer though because if you look at Wikipedia, which is clearly the source of all human knowledge, never incorrect. Uh, the KB Lake Wikipedia entry says that it began shipping to manufacturers and OEMs in the second quarter of this year. Mobile chips have started shipping with more of KB Lake desktop chips to be released in the coming months or early next year. So what makes you think that they're available for the iMac right now? I don't know. Random people on Twitter told me. I, 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 that could be wrong. <laughs> well, if you want random people in the chat room are pointing out that if they are available, it's almost certainly not the ones with the fancy iris graphics that Apple always likes. Fair enough. All right. So that, that could be the reason then. So that it, it could be as simple as that. Um, also, I, I think it's worth pointing out, like we heard from a lot of people um, because like, you know, Intel officially, quote, launched KB Lake like a, a month or two ago or whatever it was. And we immediately heard from everybody on Twitter saying, how could Apple release Skylake laptops now and not KB Lake? And of course, the reason why is because when Intel announces a launch, it means nothing. Uh, it does, it's like Intel is basically saying these chips will be available sometime, maybe in the future. Uh, and at the actual time that you can ship computers with the with the right ones for those computers might be, you know, two to twelve months away from that time period. Uh, but anyway, KB Lake, I don't think is a big deal from everything that we've read about it, from what we know about it so far. It seems like it is not really something that you should be like really waiting up for. Uh, Skylake was a big deal. KB Lake really isn't. Uh, I also have another important uh, update for you. It's twenty nine twenty twenty one tech. The good guys are winning. Is this is this a basketball game you're watching? There's a lot of scoring going on here. Well, you know, football. It's sometimes there's it's a more offensive than defensive game. You, are, you, are you voting for the the hoodies or what are you doing? Hokies. H o k i e s. It was like that uh, that that uh, that ringer of an Auburn game they had where Auburn was up like fifty something. If only do that when you're CEO, I guess. Right. Um, okay. So the, no desktop. Uh, and so no iMac updates. It's unclear whether or not KB Lake is available. Tipster's saying yes. I'm seeing no. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's available. Is there's lead times to getting it into computers. And Apple recently has not been that spry about like, as soon as the chips are ready, we're going to be ready to go. Like, that's kind of more of the old Apple. And this new one is like, don't even wake me up until they're available in volume and the next generation is about to come out. <laughs> yeah then maybe we'll incorporate them into a computer of some kind when apple delays on things like and we don't th- this is probably intel delay here but when apple delays on things what i'm saying is you know we don't really have to make excuses for apple anymore like they 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 are the biggest corporation in the world most of the time uh they have tons of resources that they can choose to devote to updating their computers to new components that come out for them it isn't that hard it doesn't take a lot of time or money relative to what they make from them and what they have as a company so we don't need to excuse them it is up to them to update things and it is my opinion they should not be slackers about that or skip generation simply because they don't feel like it fair enough so Sadness about, well, maybe not sadness about the iMac. I think we can all agree that's reasonably expected. Sadness, but not surprised about the, what is that little Mac called? It doesn't come with any devices attached to it. It's not, not got a display. It's like uh, the a Mac little Pro. one. It's like a, like a tiny <laughs> Mac. No, no, the no, Mac no not the circular one. Not the circular one. It's like more of a rounded rect. It's a Mac. The old uh, Mac Pro. The Apple TV you're thinking Mac, of. Uh, shoot, I can't remember the name. Mac Small. Mac Small, maybe? No, it's much smaller than that. Oh, man, it'll come Oh, I think to it's me. the Mac Air. The Power, it, Power Mac G4 Cube. Yes, that's it. Oh, is that it? Okay, yeah. So no Power Mac G4 Cube updates. Um, no trash can updates, thank God, because oh my, I wouldn't even pay attention to this, this show anymore. I'd just be watching my football game. Actually, maybe they should have updated the Mac Pro. <laughs> Isn't that I, what you're doing? 
<laughs> speaking of the Mac Pro, I'm, I was I was surprised at how many random angry people there were on Twitter about there being no Mac Pro update, which shows that there's this weird sort of Venn diagram between people who understand that the Mac Pro hasn't been updated in forever, but don't follow the stuff enough to know that there was no way in hell a new Mac Pro was coming out in this thing. So it's kind of weird that the anger has spread beyond the people who are ever actually going to buy one to just the general public being embarrassed for Apple for having this quote-unquote pro computer that pretty soon the watch will be faster than. Well, because, you know, even if you're not about to buy a Mac Pro, the fact that they have this high-end the, the highest-end computer in their lineup that has been so neglected... High-end, air, super air quotes. Yes. <laughs> but, well, it's still... I mean, if, if you do parallel stuff, it's still the fastest. It's fastest on no other benchmark, but on that... Barely, barely. Or you get, like, five iPads. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> Probably not even that many. Uh, but um, the reason this matters is what you argued, John, in your, your supercar, halo car thing. Um, that, like, it matters whether Apple is treating its high-end well if you are a Mac user at all. Because if Apple is neglecting significant portions of its user base uh, for the Mac lineup, and you are a Mac user, or you are heavily invested in the Mac as a platform, that should be a warning sign for you. That like that should set off warning bells to say, like, wait a minute, maybe the health of my platform or, or the future of my platform is not as, as healthy or guaranteed as I, as I would like. Because if they're neglecting this whole big area of it, maybe there are worse things to come or may or maybe they they aren't putting the right resources into it so it is totally relevant whether you buy a mac pro or not how apple treats their pro customers yeah i'm just saying like they crossed over the point now where where it is it has moved beyond and now is affecting a broader base of people it's kind of like as if uh that they were still selling the original dodge viper like the original original dodge viper had not changed in any way and it would be like, well, it's a great Halo car for Dodge or Chrysler, but uh, eventually it becomes an embarrassment because the original Viper was a terrible car in so many ways, and it just can't compete with today's supercars. Like the, it would be like, uh, you know, oh, your 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 Halo car for Dodge can be beaten off the line by like a Volkswagen GTI now. I mean, it's, it's just be, or even a lesser car. Like it stops being a Halo car when it loses in single threaded performance to the two you know, run of the mill computers. So anyway, so no Mac pro, not surprising, no Mac mini, not surprising, no iMac, almost entirely not surprising. That leaves us with the portable Macs. So the MacBook pro, as I was talking about a few minutes ago, MacBook pro is looking really good. Uh, Aesthetically, it's looking really good. I think what they've done is really cool. The touch bar looks great, and let, let's, we can go through this line by line. But, uh, man, if I, it, it's to the point that between this external display, which actually we should talk about as well, that, that I have at work, the 4K display I have at work, and these new MacBook Pros, I'm starting to doubt my newfound love for my desktop iMac existence because I love this 5K iMac. I love it to death, but I just can't help but think to myself, well, you know, I could get one of these 4K or maybe the fancy 5K LG display. I could get one of these new MacBook Pros. Life could be pretty good that way. So I don't know. One of you guys is probably upset about this. So talk talk me out of spending money I don't have that I, on, on a computer I don't need. I'm probably I'm probably the most upset, but Marco can go first and say why he likes them. <laughs> so I, I will go back to your earlier point, but which I will you know I'm probably not done talking about this point yet. Uh, but basically, the touch bar looks really cool. 
I'm sure it's going to be a really big deal for people when they are working on their laptops. And no doubt, that is a lot of people a lot of the time. However, it is not on every laptop. Apple sells a lot of the MacBook Air class computers. Uh, And so for everyone who bought the MacBook Adorable slash MacBook One, or for everyone who buys the, the old or kind of still for sale but old MacBook Air, or the new whatever we're going to call the low-end configuration of the MacBook. It, names in the chat uh, that I liked uh, a lot so far are MacBook Escape uh, or the Book. <laughs> uh, I think MacBook Escape is probably my favorite one. <laughs> but, uh, oh, the Air Pro was, was uh, and the and Pro were also very good. But uh, MacBook Escape is really good. Anyway, so all those people, that's a lot of Mac buyers, not to mention all the desktop buyers. And granted, I know laptops are more popular than desktops, so I know the desktop buyers don't count for as much. But... All those people and the entire Mac user base that has a computer already before today does not have a touch bar. And even if you are one of the people who has one of the new MacBook Pros with the touch bar, that is only actually accessible to you when you are using it in its regular mode. So not in clamshell mode at a desk, not like as a second screen, like with a main screen or an external keyboard and mouse, like only when you're using those particular models of computer and only when you're using them like right on them in, in like normal quote laptop mode. That is when the touch bar can be used. It is, it is going to be a really great convenience for the people who use it in that way but I don't think it's going to radically take over the the Mac experience yet and become like a must-have accessory until it is available across the entire lineup, laptops and desktops in some form. That might become more interesting than, you know, when, when you can kind of assume that all modern Macs have it. But you can't assume that today as either a user or a developer. So I think it's going to take a while before that becomes a must-have thing. It will be a convenience from day one. And surely, you know, Apple's apps having it built in is nice. Uh, you know, and, and that's, like, that's a lot of apps that people use on, on the Mac is our Apple's built-in app, so that, that's good. But it's going to take a while. You know, like, like when the first Retina MacBooks came out in 2012, uh, it took a long time for most of what you saw on screen to be Retina. It took a couple of years, at least, for apps and websites and everything to update. Um, for the touch bar, it's going to take a while before you can really get into using it with many of your apps and everything. So I would say for you, Casey, looking at these today and feeling bad you don't have one, it's the kind of thing where if you're buying a new laptop, if you were, if you were buying one anyway, then I think you should consider the touch bar as an important thing to have, you know, probably. And, and all this should be prefaced by saying that none of the three of us were at the event, none of the three of us have review units, so none of the three of us have ever touched these or handled these or seen these in real life. So all this could be out the window the first time that the world kind of gets more experience with these and, and we know more about them and how they work in, in reality. But I would say probably that if you're buying today or if you recently bought something and you don't want to buy another thing, you don't really have to feel bad yet that you don't have this touch bar because it's going to be a while before apps can assume that a lot of people have it and it's going to be a while before a lot of apps take advantage of it. And we still don't know how much of a must-have thing it will be in practice until these things are out for a while and we can kind of look more objectively after it's kind of after the cool has kind of rubbed off and we've and we've we've either used them ourselves or we know people who have used them and we've gotten like some long-term opinions from ourselves or others about like how useful this actually is in practice um so for now you don't need to feel bad you should feel bad not because you don't have a touch bar 
because you don't have a MacBook Pro with like modern internals. It's way faster than the one you have now. So that bad feeling, <laughs> that bad feeling remains. So question uh, for both of you, and I'll start with Marco. Do you think that a keyboard with a touch bar will ever exist for a desktop Mac? Or do you think it will always, always, always be for laptops? And if yes, if you think it will one day exist for desktop Mac, would Apple just completely, you know, go bananas and make it wired only? Or do you think it would be just basically a revision of the smart keyboard as it is today? I honestly don't know. I, I, I'm leaning towards no, and and no one's going to like the reason why, but I'm leaning towards no. And, oh, and oh, I know it. I know the reason. You probably do. We all know the reason. I'm leaning towards no because, uh, you know, A, I, I think putting the touch bar as it exists today into something the size and price of the Magic Keyboard, I think would be very challenging. And it, there's probably... A lot of constraints there, many of which are self-imposed by Apple. But I basically don't like. I don't see them wanting to make their keyboard bigger. I don't see the market having much tolerance for them making their keyboard more expensive. It's already pretty expensive, and I don't really see them, you know, wanting to have multiple models of keyboard that they sell. I mean, they can barely sell peripherals at all anymore. Uh, so you know, I don't see that happening. But ultimately, the biggest reason why I don't honestly see this happening even if they could get over the technical stuff here it comes is that i just don't think apple gives a damn about desktops anymore and that's not to say and they're, they're never going to make one again but <laughs> but i just think the focus i mean look you can barely get tim cook to pretend to care about the mac at all all macs you know there's a reason why tim didn't say a lot today about the mac you know that was delegated to phil and craig because they I'm pretty sure care deeply about the Mac. Like they seem like they're really like Mac champions inside the company at the very high level. But Tim, I don't think is. I, I don't think Tim cares. I, I don't think he even hides that very well. Like I don't think he even honestly tries. I don't think Tim cares. And so as long as the company is led by Tim, I don't see the Macs making substantial advances. And what I see instead is what we what we see today which is they're going to keep doing what you know what they what they can do to move things along occasionally to be thinner, lighter, better, faster, right? That's what they do. But I don't see a time under Tim Cook's rule, which is probably going to be long. I don't see a time of this happening here where Tim is going to decide that the Mac really needs a lot of effort put into it and it needs like you know, major resources and major prioritization. I, I just don't see that happening. So I don't think they're going to put in like the, the lots of work that it would take and possible profit cannibalization of other products to meaningfully enable this on desktops. I just don't see it happening. I wish it would, but I just don't. Let's assume for just one moment that you're right, that Tim either doesn't care about the Mac, or let's even go so far as to say he freaking hates the Mac. I'm not saying he hates it. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, I just I, he's obviously not a Mac person. He, I, I'm pretty sure he has said on the record and multiple times that he does his work on iPads anyway. So I, I basically, I don't think he uses Macs very often, if at all. And, and I think he, he is very much profit-focused, and, and he looks at where Apple can make the most profit and, and diverts resources there. And things that, that, that make still good profit, but just less, are 
you know, kind of out of his his field of vision, I think, most of the time. So basically, I just don't think Tim gives a lot of thought to the Mac, and I don't think it's a priority for him. All right, so let's assume that's true. And in, in, in any degree of, of aggressiveness, he hates the Mac, or maybe he just doesn't really care. Maybe it's just another line item, like you said. Let's assume any one of those is true. He's a pretty smart man from everything we can tell. Don't you think he would trust in in his lieutenants and those who do care for the Mac to carry it forward? Like, I, I don't view Tim as the thing standing in the way of the Mac being this perfect device that you're that you're you're excited to buy a new one every you know six months or what have you. I I really don't think Tim's the problem here. I think it's just that. Apple is doing what they think is best. And like I think you had said, Marco, I mean, laptops are where are, are the Macs that everyone buys. We are weird buying desktops and super weird for you two buying cheese graters and trash cans. So I don't think Tim is the problem. I think it's just that this is where the users are. So why not cater to the 90 percent? Well, it's debatable whether it's even a problem. I mean, the job of the CEO is to be forward-looking. It's like, well, is this a product line that's in, in ascension or in decline? And clearly, desktop PCs and laptop PCs in that whole market are, are in decline compared to smartphones and possibly even tablets. And so he's trying to be forward-looking. But not for Apple. That's the thing. They're not in decline for Apple. They're in decline for everyone else. But until Apple stopped updating them for three years, they weren't in decline for Apple. Like, Apple has this entire market that it could keep taking share from. It's a big market. It, it was declined relative to the rest of their business because the rest of the business was growing much faster. At this point, service revenue is more than Mac revenue, right? Because service revenue is growing. And guess what? It just passed Mac revenue, right? So if you are looking where the next big you know, where is the next uh, big product that's going to go on a big uh, growth trajectory going to come from? It's not the PC. It's not the Mac. That's what Apple currently thinks. And so, again, it's debatable whether long term this is an incorrect choice. I think we're in the painful period now where it's like, well, look, are you going to do Macs or you're not going to do Macs? And Apple's like, oh, no, we're going to do Macs. But they're doing them not with the gusto, meaning not with the investment that they used to do them. And to get back to Casey's question, uh, you know, do I think they're going to do a keyboard with uh with a touch bar on it the apple that was still investing heavily in the mac where the mac was like super important and central even even as the iphone was growing and the ipod and all these other businesses were were obviously where the big growth was back you know not too many years ago apple was still heavily investing in the mac because those growing ones started off small and the ipod one did a hump and went back down right and so it was like well the mac you know, we got to keep investing in the Mac because the iPod looks great and it's this big business for us. But actually, we can see it's on the way back down. Oh, the iPhone's looking great and it's on its way back up. But if you were to look at those line graphs, the Mac was still in the mix. Certain point, the phone <laughs> just took off. And now every single graph is like, here's the iPhone company. And then there's some lines down there near the uh, <laughs> horizontal axis. And those lines are like service revenue, Macintosh, like just crap like that. And once that happens, like it's hard to... It's hard to justify. Like, is it the right thing for the for the CEO to do to continue to invest uh, that much proportionally in the Mac as you used to? And it's clear that they're not right. And so the old Apple, not I'm saying like good old days, but the old Apple with the old Apple mix of products and revenue and, and profits, right? That Apple would have had touch bar keyboards in this presentation today, like guaranteed. Because, like Marco said, what the hell is the point of this thing? Even people who have laptops, when they sit them at their desk. 
you know, you're not like laptops are bad ergonomically to sit in front of all day. The keyboard should not be touching the display. Like it's like that because it's a portable device. And you, you know, when you use it portably, that's what you got to go with. But if you're sitting at a desk, your laptop is off to the side, you have a second monitor, or your laptop is up on a stand, but then you can't use that keyboard and you're using a big keyboard. Like the touch bar can't be part of the quote unquote Mac experience if the only place it exists is on a keyboard attached to a laptop, period. So the old Apple would have had it because the old Apple was investing in the Mac much more for comprehensible reasons not like out of spite or meanness or whatever now if you were to have this discussion with tim cook and and try to convince him that it is important to continue to invest in the mac you can't say it's because the mac is going to be proportionally a larger percentage of apple's profit and revenue in the future because it probably isn't but you could make the argument that even though it looks small and the argument i think we've made even though it looks small and it's it's not going to come out of nowhere and become a big thing it is as many people have pointed out on twitter and, and said it with various metaphors or whatever the foundation of so many other things that apple does you've got the halo car factor for having like the you know highest performance computing device you've got the fact that the development for all you the for the platform that's important most important to your company is done on max right uh you've got the historical uh, loyalty and fan base you've got the alpha geeks creatives type angle which we can talk about when we talk about the microsoft studio there are lots of reasons not having to do with how much they sell or how much their profit is that the mac is really important and i could make that argument pretty strongly to tim cook and i bet people are trying to make that argument but that argument relies on a lot of assumptions or you have to be convinced that if this and this and this therefore this you can't back it up by saying look i don't even need to convince you of like human psychology or customer loyalty or other things like that i can just show you the the, the lines on a graph with with dollar signs attached to them and you can be convinced you have to go to a, to a more touchy-feely argument to convince tim cook to invest more in the mac than they are currently investing and i'm hope i'm hoping the people who are making that argument inside apple are winning and that what we're just seeing here is you know a a course correction that they haven't quite corrected all the way and a couple of the intel delays mess things up and they'll be resurgent in the next year when they've inevitably reduced uh produce these sky like uh mac pros someday maybe possibly is it inevitable oh i don't know i I backtracked from the inevitable saying the potential mac pro that we might you know they could still turn this around and sort of get back on an even keel but the the lack of a touch bar external keyboard is a perfect example of how Apple is just not investing as much in the Mac as they used to. And it's I think it is, a, is an argument to be had of whether that is smart or not smart. But as fans of Macs, as all of us on this podcast are fans of Macs, it is painful to see the product that used to be so important to the company being so much less important now. I I. I don't know if I would go that far at all. Just because they're not updating desktop Macs with the speed or efficacy that you two approve of doesn't mean they don't care about the Mac. Or any Mac. These The laptops weren't updated forever either. Well, yeah, but I think a lot of that was... Obviously, none of us know, but if I were to wager a guess, that was relying on Intel to give them a decent reason to make an update, or perhaps, let's assume that wasn't the the issue, maybe they were just trying to get this pretty darn fancy touch bar tech and the fancy um, touch ID tech, which apparently is basically a mini Apple Watch within the device, within the MacBook Pro, that can't have been easy. So I, I don't think it's fair to characterize Apple as caring is not caring about the Mac or caring that much less about the Mac. It's, it's, it's not about caring. It's 
it's investment. It's not care. Like don't, it's not personify the company. It's in, it's like how much money and resources do you put into this? It's investment. It's not, it's not like we, the max feelings are hurt or whatever. It's a choice of al- resource allocation. Right. And that's the, that's the argument that you're making towards this. And, 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 and I feel like, like the perfect example is like, even if we buy everything you're saying about the touch bar and, and being difficult or whatever, it's apparently ready to announce now. They could have announced keyboards right alongside it. But, you know, if they felt that was an important part of the Mac experience. And I have, and, and speaking of the touch bar, I want to, the next topic I want to move to is specifically about touch bar, but we can get done gnashing our teeth over the Mac investment. Well, well, but that's the thing is, I really don't. I, I mean, I guess there's no way that, that I'm going to convince you that you're wrong, and there's certainly no way you're going to convince me that I'm wrong. But I just, for, for the record, there's one of the three of us that thinks that there are investments happening to the Macs. I am, I am as as it sits right now, I feel like I'm more desktop Mac guy than a, than, a, than a portable Mac guy. But I am really excited about the MacBook Pros, and that is what most Mac users use. Almost everyone uses Mac, MacBook Pros, or perhaps the Airs, which at this point are Nears makes no difference to the pros. I mean, the pro is effectively an error. I don't think it's fair to characterize this as a lack of investment. I don't think it's fair of the three of us to say, oh, putting a mini Apple Watch next to a mini Retina display on a, on a box that's physically smaller, that has better battery life, that is quicker. Like These are all worthwhile investments. And, and I don't think it's fair that a bunch of nerds are getting butthurt about the fact that this isn't the thing that they wanted Apple to invest in. No, that's not why this is about it all like even if we ignore all of like what we think apple's philosophy is and how they choose to invest because we don't know where their money goes because we don't have that lever behind your eye ignore all that and just treat apple as a black box and look at the products they release and when they release them the release cadence of max has changed they release them less often which means that the existing ones that you can buy are worse relative to other things and they also keep selling the old ones for much longer that is inarguably a fact and you could say that's not because they're not investing as much. In fact, they're investing even more, but that dictates that they have to have bigger gaps between products. That is probably the only argument you can make because like, oh, it actually costs so much more money to do the touch bar than the other things they did with the Macs. But I don't really buy that either. Like the, the MacBook Pros that were out there on the market were behind. The 15-inch MacBook Pro was an embarrassing product to sell. It's like, this used to be the best, like in the presentation, like the best MacBook Pro. Now we made it even better. They used to be able to do that pitch because when they replaced them, the old one was still pretty good. The old one was a piece of crap. What the hell was it? Uh, Ivy Bridge or Haswell? Whatever the hell it had. It in was it. Haswell. Like, like it's ridiculous. Like that's not, and that's we can't we can argue about what the cause of that was, but on the outside we can see that's the case. That 15 inch MacBook Pro was not a pro product. Was not the worth the price they were buying for it. It wasn't Mac Pro levels of bad, but it was bad. And this is their flagship product. And so of course when they make a new one, it's thinner, faster, better. Like yeah, that's great. It's thinner, faster, better. We totally agree with all that. Of course when they compare it to the old models, it's like oh come on, yo. Look how much faster it is than our old MacBook Pro. You know why? Because your old MacBook Pro sucked. That's why it's so much better. Like, of course, like, we know, like, and again, I'm, I know this is sounding negative. I'm going to get even more negative in in a little bit. These are, are, these are good machines, right? But I'm, what I'm arguing against Casey is I'm trying to convince you that regardless of what we think about these machines, which I think they're pretty darn good. And we'll talk about that eventually. I promise. Um, (laughs) I don't think you can say that. Apple is putting the same amount of resources into the Mac as they used to because the proof is in the products that they release and when they release them. And we can argue about what the causes are and stuff like that, but I don't think there's an argument to be had that they're doing the same as they used to. It's not fair to say that they're putting the same amount of investment in as they used to. I concur. But 
I th- what I'm hearing, which maybe is a misinterpretation on my part, is what I'm hearing is, oh, they're ignoring the Mac. They're, the the Mac is on life support. Nobody cares about the Mac. Tim Cook hates the Mac. Like I don't Didn't say that. I don't see you, that. You said all those things, not us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's okay. true. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, it, I don't know. I feel like you're crapping all over the you collective you and, and not just you two. I mean, I saw a lot of just grumbling going on today on Twitter. Like, I feel like everyone's just getting grumpy about, oh, touchdown tech. Uh, everyone's getting grumpy there we about go. Now the you're Mac. And, and now I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Uh, wait, wait everyone's text the one that you like, them. right? Correct. Or is it the, uh, the 2Ds or whatever? That's that's exactly right. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, so everyone's getting so upset about oh, they're not investing enough in the Mac, and I just personally I don't see it that way at all. I agree, John, that that certainly there was a dark period. Perhaps I shouldn't be sweeping the dark period under the rug as quickly or as emphatically as 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 I am right now. But uh, this is to me, this is a clear sign that the Mac matters. And I mean, this has got to have been like this touch bar, which I really need to shut up so we can get so we can move on to that. The touch bar has got to be an unbelievably cool piece of technology and in touch ID as well. It, it, that's got to have been hard to create. And, and again, touch ID apparently is being controlled by a mini watch OS. And I can't imagine getting an arm chip in the, that's controlling the touch ID to cooperate and behave nicely with the Intel chip that's controlling the rest of the Mac that can't have been terribly easy. That must have been difficult to do. Can they not have a little bit of time to do that? They can if they just release other Macs in between. Yeah. And here's the thing, by the way, Casey, like it's worth pointing out here. There's this kind of distortion here that I see a lot in in corporate culture, especially in in Tim Cook's Apple, uh, that it is indeed a lot of work what they did. The team worked really hard on this. They did. And they should be commended in some kind of prize ceremony for how hard they worked on a technical level. That's very impressive. However, that doesn't either A, absolve them of the the rest of the neglect of the Mac line and the, and the neglect of this line in the meantime. Like, that was clearly bad management of the lineup and, and of the whatever the supply chain, whatever led to these long spans where these things haven't updated and whatever is leading to the Mac Pro and Mac Mini and iMac still not being updated. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't absolve that. And also, you don't get automatic reward just for trying something difficult, just for trying something complicated and new. It might well be that the touch bar might end up being awesome. It, we might look back on this time and say, man, it, we can't believe what we ever lived without this. This was such a revolution. First of all, we don't know that yet. It, it might and it might not. Uh, and that doesn't absolve them of the other problems. Like, you know, there are some downsides to, this, to these new releases, which we'll get to. But one of the biggest ones that people are upset about is that these cost a lot more than they used to. And that's not insignificant. Uh, and, you know, and things were taken away. Uh, so, you know, it, certainly, like, there's going to be people who are upset because in certain ways they got worse for them. And it doesn't matter. Like, if you if you were buying these things, if you were buying like MacBook Airs in bulk and you had to have them hit a certain price point, and now you can't do that anymore, uh, then the yeah, fact because they're still selling them. Well, <laughs> but you know, basically, like like everyone has. Whenever Apple releases something new these days, especially, but yeah, this is not that new. Um, there's always pluses and minuses, right? There's <laughs> there's like you know you you move mostly steps forward but usually a couple steps back or sideways and in this release there is a lot of cool new stuff they did get seemingly really impressively thin and light 
Um, they it seems I, I the battery is still a question mark, but if but their reported specs are still reasonable. Um, so I, I assume the battery life won't be terrible. I assume it'll be pretty good. Um, so if they're able to achieve this thin and lightness with those battery gains, then that's great. So that like that's great improvement, right? The touch bar is mostly great. Uh, it is probably going to be bad to lose escape keys for a lot of people. I think the the idea that only nerds use the escape key I think is wrong. Uh, I think but it's lots still of people. There. It's just not. Oh my god. We'll get there. We'll get there. And and I think also a lot of people were simply asking Apple, "Can you please put modern guts inside your laptops and make them you know faster and everything?" And Apple delivered this thing that they weren't asking for, and then raised the prices. Even if you are impressed by the touch bar and i think for the most part it probably will end up being a good thing the reason why so many people are mad like people have good reasons to be upset with with this update because not every product that 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 needs an update got one and the update to these products that did get updated came with additional costs and and a couple of new downsides like what if you actually used the sd card slot or the hdmi port or think like there are a lot of things were removed too so you have Ports that were removed, you have a higher price, and you, you lost some keys that you might have preferred to be hardware. So basically, even though it made advances, that doesn't make it invalid or unreasonable for people to complain about the ways in which it got worse for them. No, it doesn't. But I feel like what I'm hearing, in it's not just from you guys, but you're the only two on the phone, and so that's why I'm... I'm you know, busting your butts so hard is what I what I feel like I'm hearing is well, what we really wanted was a new processor, maybe more RAM, maybe more hard drive space, and then don't touch anything else for the love no, of no, God. No, 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 no. I mean, I don't think anyone said like I think Marco talked around it before, but basically, I said it last week. If you're going, if you're going to have this line of products, and I think. uh uh, who was it who had that webpage that listed all of the uh, Stephen Hackett the, listed all of the the laptops sort of in, in order of the lines <laughs> yes. if you're going to have all these laptops from like under a thousand all the way up to like big bucks for the big one right and they do have a pretty good spread of prices right if you decide you're going to do that and you're going to sell one of them with a non-retina display with old guts uh, and old ports and you're going to sell some of them with the fancy new ports and the new guts and the whole deal the 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 way to do it is not to leave ancient computers around and just be like well this one's never going to get USB-C because it's not worth updating we're just going to keep selling the macbook air forever and ever and ever and we'll update the guts every once in a while but it's never going to be an overhaul the 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 way with more investment which i'm not going to say again i don't like to say like the old apple the old way because it makes like say in the olden days like it's just a question of how much investment the the old way with more investment is fine you're going to sell this line of computers from 1000 bucks to 4000 all of them get some minimum set of new features rolled out together. Like, it's a, it's a rising tide that lifts all boats. If you're going to keep selling, same thing with the 101 MacBook, which I think is gone now, or is it still alive? I it forget. is finally gone. Anyway, like I said last week, if you're going to sell a super cheap laptop with really low specs with an optical drive, you also have to occasionally update that one. Like, it, you can't just say we're going to keep selling the old computer unmodified for a long, long time. You should move the line up together, which means you have a gradation of features like the touch bar isn't going to be on all of them. I understand it's expensive, right? And same thing with all the other features and all, all the different things you bring out. They're not all going to have the P3 screen, right? But the fact that Retina still hasn't trickled down to the lowest end model because they want to keep selling the old model, like the really, really old crappy one, mostly unmodified with only minor tweaks, that does not speak well to the investment in the product line. It's better to keep 
selling the cheaper computer, but continue to update them all together in some cadence. They get away with it on the phones because they only do like, you know, last year's phone and then it kind of trails off at the end. But even there, I think it's a problem. That's where the strategy came from. But with the Macs, like how many years has essentially that same quote unquote same MacBook Air with different guts been sold? I mean, they even made the point now, which I look at the 13 inch MacBook Pro is now it's now more of an air than an air. Uh, isn't that amazing? And yet we'll still sell that air because the new MacBook Pro is $500 more expensive. It would be better to have a cheaper, better MacBook air. I mean, even if they want to keep it non retina. Make the screen well, better than it is. It's a crappy screen. Like I, I'm just trying to say, like I'm trying to give them an out. I'm not saying like every product has to be awesome, but you have to bring the products up together. You can't have this these two classes of like here are the good computers and here are the ones we've been selling for years that are pieces of crap. And there's these weird. But that's not the case though. What what they're saying is here's the brand new good computers that quite frankly aren't cheap. And in the, as some one of you just said, they're less cheap now than they used to be. And then if you want something that's more affordable, guess what? It's probably going to be a little older on the inside. It's like the difference but between... It, but it should be newer than it is because it, like the pricing doesn't make sense. It's like the Mac Pro. We understand the Mac Pro is an expensive computer, but if you don't update the internals for three years, it becomes embarrassing. Now, the, the MacBook Air's internals have been updated more than the Mac Pro's. We have to give them that, but it's still basically the same form factor, and the internals are pretty old and slow compared to everything else like i mean like this to me like this this is my fundamental uh, just friction that i have with the tim cook way of running apple you know it would take real courage they talk about courage in this head the head stupid headphone jack what would take real courage would be to take a temporary margin hit to make all of your products great as someone in the chat room is pointing out, like it's it's hard to. I'm trying to give the MacBook Air more credit than it probably deserves in terms of the specs and the money because again they have updated more than the Mac Pro, which is a low bar. But if you if you look at the PC internals, you can get for the similar price. And again, granted, the MacBook Air is a better computer, has nicer you know industrial design, so on and so forth. It's just it's just not keeping up with the rest of the line, and the line just feels like have and have nots. It's like you know the the, the iPad Air. And the iPad Pros, like we, we, this, this gap exists everywhere, and it is, it's a gap that reflects a, a, a level of desired investment because it's so much easier to keep selling the old models, or even just bumping the internals of the old models without fundamentally changing. Like, oh well, we can bump the, the internals a little bit, but if we change to USB C, that's like a whole new thing, and it requires more investment and all that other stuff. Uh, it. And I don't, I don't want to put value judgments on it and like moral things and be like, Tim Cook doesn't care. He's being mean to us. I think it's just investment. And, and again, I think the investment is, is justified by all of, of the tangible attributes of the Mac line as compared to everything else. Uh, it, mostly the reason you hear me upset anyway is because I like the Mac, right? And I, I, from, I can argue for why you should do this, not just because I like the Mac, but because here's why it's actually important for Apple as a company. Like I can make that argument too. But personally speaking, it's because I like this product that's now getting less investment, and that's why I find it frustrating. And Bingo. it didn't help. It didn't help that they said that uh, hello again on the invitation. But as I said last week, I was overhyped. <laughs> so you're taking one admittedly quite long data point, which is not updating the MacBook Pros effectively for like two or three years. 
full stop. That was BS. That was terrible. Shouldn't have happened. But you're taking that one data point as a line that says, the, the, a line with a huge downward slope that says, yeah, we don't care about the Mac. Well, you've got the Mac Pro too. You've got the Mac Mini, which has always been like that. And we just excuse because it's always been like that, right? Um, like I, even the iMac has gone through droughts. It's just it's on a good cycle now, right? Even if you just want to pick like things like peripherals and stuff, not making a new extended keyboard when they made the new key switches, stuff like that. Like it's, you know, it's it, that's harder to make an argument for it than everything else. But anyway, I, I want to get off this because I think I'm, we're mostly just arguing, the two of us uh, arguing with you. And I think the larger, the larger, like this doesn't matter to, to most people. There was the, the biggest upcry, uh, you know, outcry I saw on Twitter was from people who expect desktop Macs to come, which is, you know, like just because we didn't expect them to come or definitely didn't expect them all to be updated or anything doesn't mean it's not kind of like, doesn't mean we're not tired of waiting for them as well. Right. And I, all, what you saw were people who like desktop max complaining. There weren't people who don't like desktop max. Don't care. Like who cares? If there's no, they don't even know desktop max exists as far as they're concerned. Max are laptops and they think the MacBook airs are fine and so on and so forth. But we're, you know, computer enthusiasts and Mac fans and desktop Mac fans. And so, of course, we're upset about it. It's a separate argument of whether just because we're upset that the products we like aren't getting updated, does that mean that Apple should update them more often? Um, but that, that explains the upsetness. And I think the upsetness is not, for, for the most part, for people who are thinking clearly, the same as saying Apple should do what I want, right? Because that's what you're getting at before. Um, we would like it if Apple did something different. But, uh, you know, you should just allow us to be upset that Apple is not doing what we want. And then, and then we can have a separate <laughs> discussion about whether Apple should do this thing that we want, whether it's good for Apple or good for computing or whatever. And I, that I think I can turn that into a vague segue into what I wanted to get into, which is the touch bar. This is where Marco will put an ad or something. We are also sponsored tonight by MacPaw and Clean My Mac 3. Go to MacPaw, that's MacPaw.com slash ATP to learn more. MacPaw, the reputable software developer, makes Clean My Mac. This is this great program that helps you clean out disk space and caches and things like that on your Mac. And in Clean My Mac 3, they recently added a great new feature exclusively for developers who use Xcode. Now, Xcode has all these, all these crap files it keeps around. Temp files, build files, derived data, old support files for, for old simulated devices and old devices you don't use anymore. Clean My Mac 3 by MacPaw safely and quickly can clean the Xcode cache for you more easily than ever before. As app developers, MacPaw knows that it's a big hurdle to try to remember where all these things are, to even find these files, to know to clean them, to remember to clean them, to try to do any, anything quickly or with any kind of like single key command or anything. It's really hard. So they made all this safe, easy, and fast with Clean My Mac 3. You can see for yourself. You've got to check this out. Go to, go to MacPaw.com slash ATP. That's MacPaw. MacPaw.com slash ATP to check out Clean My Mac 3, especially if you're a developer, to see the new feature to clear out Xcode cache files. Once again, thanks a lot to MacPaw and Clean My Mac 3 for sponsoring our show. So, many years ago, one of my early, maybe my first, but one of my early articles for Macworld Magazine, uh, the back page article, um, was about this fairly fanciful idea again i i have this history to the back page of mac world and mac user magazine that made me think of writing something that i probably wouldn't even write in a blog post today but i did in a print article back then about the idea of a mac laptop that you could use as a mac but then you could somehow fold it over on itself kind of like all those convertible like uh 
a lot of uh, convertible PC laptops are like this. Remember when they were making a lot of those? I bet they're still making them. But the month, you can fold it over and it turns into a tablet, basically. And when you turn it into a tablet, however you want to do it, twisting the screen and screwing it down or folding it all the way backwards, when, you, when it's in tablet mode, it's basically an iPad. And when it's in Mac mode, it's a Mac. And it was like, well, you know, you've already got iOS running on Intel in the simulator. And, the, you know, the, the conversion would be kind of a neat thing. We've seen lots of PC makers do it. Apple could do a good job on the hinge mechanism and make it very, you know, interesting and, and sturdy and, and good to use in all these different scenarios. And wouldn't that be an interesting kind of computer? Because that would deal with the, the dichotomy that was then a hot topic and it's still kind of a hot topic between iOS and, and uh, the Mac OS and all this other stuff. And, you know, obviously nothing came of that. Windows continues to sell those, those uh, convertibles. Windows has converted its OS to be uh, one unified OS for both touch interface and everything else. And again, we might talk about that later on a different show, but setting that aside now that, you know, the idea that you could run both iOS and uh, what was then OS 10 or Mac OS 10 at that time on the same computer, because iOS also runs on Intel. What we have today with these things, as you pointed out, Casey is a Mac that runs Mac OS on its Intel processor. And then off to the side, this little T1 processor that is presumably ARM and presumably runs something like iOS. I mean, again, the core OS of both OS 10 and, and uh, both Mac OS and iOS is Darwin anyway. But anyway, presumably that little chip is running NOS that's running the touch bar and doing all this stuff. Here we have a Mac that is essentially running two OSs on two different screens. The only difference is the tablet mode is just this little skinny strip that goes along the top of the thing. And then the Mac part <laughs> gets the big thing at the top. And you look at this, and I, ta- I joked, I was teasing Marco about this a couple of shows ago. Just you wait until the entire keyboard is one big screen for the people who don't mind typing on glass. <laughs> like, look at the evolution of the keyboards on these Macs going from big honking giant keys that are like on the Apple Extended 2 keyboard on the Mac Portable. Like, big giant mechanical key switch, pachunk, pachunk, pachunk. And they just got squished and squished, and the plungers became butterfly hinges became dome switches they've just the keys have just been descending into the thing becoming like comically (laughs) thinner and smaller like like they've been rolling over by a steamroller year after year and now all of a sudden one of the quote-unquote keys is a big flat screen that looks like the keys they did a really good job by the way of, of like pattern matching them like so it's the same kind of matte finish on both the screen and the keys so it looks like it's a big key um anyway and now all of a sudden one of them turns into a screen and it's run by this little processor has an OS. And like someone did an animated GIF that I retweeted that was like, next year, the number keys are a screen. Next year, the top row of the QWERTY keyboard is key. Next year, the next row of keys. Next year, the next row of the keys. Then eventually the whole bottom of the things is the keys. Then eventually the top screen goes away and you just have an iPad, right? And like they're, they're, they're slowly, slowly making the Nintendo DS a dual screen thing, you know, by, by converting the keyboard. And I'm not saying this is the inevitable direction they're going to go, but... It's hard to look at that touchpad or the touch bar. And if this touch bar has any legs at all as a thing that people might want to do, not to see this as like a weird transitional fossil. And I don't, again, I don't want to totally get into the Microsoft Surface Studio thing, but like this weird transitional, possibly weird transitional fossil held up against this, the Surface Studio where the whole freaking thing is one giant touch display. Oh, and by the way, there's a keyboard when you need it. One of those looks like they skip to the end of this evolution. Again, this may be a dead end in evolution. Maybe they're wrong about this is the you know the future of computing or whatever. Maybe they're wrong about the OS. Maybe they're wrong about so many other things. But for one of the first times in recent memory, Apple looks to be making a more cautious bet 
than than Microsoft, at least in this particular scenario. And that's not necessarily bad because I think the cautious bet, like the odds, I think the odds of the touch bar being interesting and useful are higher than the odds of the Surface Studio being a runaway smash hit that saves Microsoft, right, or whatever. Because, uh, like, the, it, it's safer. I think it has a higher chance of success. But I I look at that touch bar, and it's hard not to start thinking about, you're putting screens where the keyboard... Why is the touchpad, uh, the, the trackpad, not entirely a screen? The keyboard's not a screen, but it is, as Marco would say, getting progressively worse as a keyboard. But as other people might say, getting progressively less keyboardy because people don't care about keyboards anymore and why not just make the whole thing a screen and then when you do that why do you have two screens why not just make one screen and you've just reinvented the ipad again but with a different os but now you know so i think this is all this this seems like it's all eventually going to come to a head and i think we'll look back at this and be able to see the progression but right now the progression that we can see from the past is the keys are getting flatter the things are getting thinner uh, and now the limitations of keys have gotten to the point where they're bringing some screens down into that area, and I'm not quite sure where those will end, but Apple looks like the more the more iterative, let's say. I don't want to say cautious or careful, because this is an interesting move, but it's definitely more iterative than sort of leapfroggy than, uh, than we're used to, I think. I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think it's... <sighs> I don't want to really turn this into a Surface Studio discussion, but it is a fascinating, I don't know if case study is the right way of looking at it, but it's its fascinating to see Microsoft just tripling down on this hybrid OS idea, which to me seems utterly preposterous. And I actually have installed Windows 10 on my work laptop because I've been doing a little uh, C-sharp API work. Uh, and I got to tell you, I was expecting Windows 10 to be really good because everyone I know that has run it has said, oh, it's great. It's it's a lot better. They fixed a lot of the problems. It's really good. And I could go on for hours about how awful I found Windows 10 to be. And in no small part, because high DPI support is a joke at best and non-existent at worst. Um, but that being said, all of a sudden with the Surface Studio, I sort of understand what Microsoft is going for with this hybrid world where touch is is touch and non-touch OSs are one and the same. I think that that is the Surface Studio is kind of the ultimate realization that it's to some degree kind of a naked robotic core of of Microsoft's strategy that let's make a machine with this huge what is it? it's a 27 inch monitor i believe something like that it doesn't matter a huge monitor 28 inch i think okay and i believe it's taller right because it's a different aspect ratio than what we yeah, have it's three, it's three by two yeah which I, I would love honestly um so let's make this very large you know kind of contrary device where it's not widescreen like everything else on the market is and let's make it touch sensitive everywhere and that is kind of the ultimate realization of Microsoft's Microsoft strategy. And although I would I would give almost anything not to run Windows, uh, I can understand why this would be appealing. I don't think I would ever want to have a computer that is a drafting table, so to speak, but I can see how it would be really, really cool. Similarly, I think this touch bar is kind of the ultimate realization of what Apple thinks is the best idea for a quote-unquote hybrid world, which is not as much that the screen is a touchscreen, but more, hey, we'll give you a little separate touchscreen that you can interact with and you can do cool stuff with. And by the way, it's more than just buttons. Like when we had seen the preview or the, the renderings for this, 
I don't recall anyway having seen that there was going to be anything on here really but a bunch of just programmable buttons, if you will. And there's all sorts of cool stuff that they show on this. They show timelines in like Final Cut Pro, or maybe it was a different app. They showed um, kind of a cover flow version of all the pictures that are in a folder when you're looking in Finder. Like there's some really trick, cool stuff. Cover flow will never die. Was it cover flow? <laughs> I forgot. What it was. I, I, we always knew it was, uh, well, the rumors were all an OLED screen, so we kind of knew that there was going to be other stuff up there. But like, I, I, to go back to what you said earlier, Casey, I think the key phrase that I don't think is apt here is ultimate realization, because this is not the ultimate realization of anything. This is an iterative improvement, and I think it's good, and I think it's going to be really cool. But it's almost as if the more cool this is, the more we will realize that limiting it to just a little strip is bad, and that you know, like, uh, why is the whole trackpad not a screen? Why is the whole bottom of the laptop not a screen? Why is the whole keyboard not a screen? And this is the point we'll say, well, the whole keyboard's not a screen because typing on glass is terrible. And then millions of millennials say, no, we love it. It's great. Uh, you know, and, <laughs> and then it's like, and then once you do that, it's like, well, then why is there a bottom screen and a top screen? Why isn't it all one screen? And then you just like, it really feels, it's not the ultimate realization or anything. The ultimate realization, if this idea turns out to be good of this computing idea, not this laptop idea, but this computing idea, uh, using like the value system that is most in line with probably mine and marco's is the server studio which is just make the whole freaking thing a big giant gorgeous touchscreen, but also give me a physical keyboard for when i want to type because i'm old and i like to type on physical keyboards and when i'm not typing i don't have to deal with that and there's no like separate region of the keyboard that's also a screen and i can use seven seven hands and f- ten fingers and five elbows all at the same time with a little dial and like just you know that is the ultimate realization of idea. Is it a good idea? Does it work well? Is the OS good? Are there other in- intangibles that are stopping them? Again, I think we do have to talk about the Surface Studio at some point, but the touch bar is not the ultimate realization of any idea. It is the next good iterative step along the lines of the idea that Apple is pursuing. And I think it looks really cool and really awesome with some minor caveats, but it feels it feels like just one more step. And it, it kind of it's transitional enough that it makes me feel not uncomfortable but like anticipatory like i like i'm i'm waiting to see what's next it's tantalizing in the like where does this all go where does this lead because clearly this is not going to be the end this is clearly on its way to something and uh you know it's like it's like a glimpse of the future that is not yet here right uh the keyboard's getting flatter we shoved a screen on it but it's still kind of if you squint at this thing it's still kind of the shape of the old computer and certainly the shape of mac os is still as separate from ios as it ever was um, and we don't, uh, you know, I don't know where it's going, but this is like, I feel like this is the first step off of the path that the Mac has been going on to an acknowledgement that there can be that, that, that not that they're, you know, merging the OSs or whatever, but just trying, trying to reconcile this world where we want to touch stuff and have touchscreen things with the world of the Mac where we're not touching things. Right. And how do we bring them together? And this, this is honestly, this is the first Mac with a touchscreen right? No other Mac has had a screen that you touch. They've had touch pads and they've had all the other hybrids things. Hey, we want a touch screen Mac. You got one. Oh, by the way, the screen is really thin. And that just makes me think like, where is this going? Where, what is the future of this? Like, surely this is not a holding pattern that we stay in for another 15 years with a little strip on the, on the, of screen there. This has to lead to something. And I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes, but this, this machine makes me like hunger to see what's next. Yeah, quick aside about the Surface Studio. From everything I can tell, it's using the exact same processors as the iMac, and it isn't out for another two months. Yeah, no, that's not a super, like that that machine. It's a separate topic. Nintendo Switch also, sorry if you're here to hear about Nintendo Switch, probably not this week. 
Nintendo Switch, Microsoft Surface Studio, they're on the list. We will talk about them. But, uh, all right, so now we said nice things about the touchpad, a few minor annoying things about the touchpad. Well, now, one, one fun thing about it. Um, the, the customized thing, pure Apple feature, love that. You can drag the little thing off the screen onto the, onto the touch bar. That's awesome, right? That's like another one of those magical type of things. And they did, when you're in editing mode, where you want to edit the buttons to customize it, it's good that that's a feature because customizing is great. And they go into shaky mode, you know, like on iOS, where you, when you you know when you're editing your your springboard icons, that's that's kind of like a a UI idiom that Apple has coined, and then now they use across their product line to great effect. When when these things are in the mode where they're being edited, have them wiggle so it's clear that you're in like editing mode and all the rules are different. That's very clever, very good bit of UI that they've been smart to spread everywhere. But the tricky bit on the little strip, the touch bar screen, is that they're using edge to edge every single pixel of that thing to show the buttons because it's such a skinny screen like they're going all the way up from the top edge there's no margins they're leaving on it so they can't have the icons shake back and forth as if they're rotating like the springboard icons do because they would be <laughs> I thought they, they would, did no because they would be because they would be clipped on the top and bottom and you would be it would break the illusion that they're keys when you saw them clipped by the screen edges so instead they 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 shake but only left and right Oh, is that so right? Okay, so, that's yeah, what I'm So they're in of. there and they're wiggling and you don't know, like something a little off of it, but they're basically like jostling up against each other like a bunch of like, you know, peas in a pod or whatever, but they can't wiggle up and down because of the clipping, which I thought was a really clever way <laughs> to solve that problem because the problem is like we want to use every pixel of this thing, but when we make them shake the other way, they clip top and bottom and it destroys the illusion. So just make them shake side to side. I thought that was super clever and adorable and they look cute when they do that and that's a great feature. <laughs> and, but, and it's the same trick they use on the watch display too because like on the watch, and this is one of the things you could do with OLED. Like one of the reasons OLED's so great is that like black on OLED looks really black. And so you can more easily conceal the edges of the actual screen, like the actual pixels of the screen with the black margin around it. So on the watch interface elements go right up to the edge like they 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 tell you specifically in the interface guidelines like you should design your screens that way don't leave any margin around your interface go right right to the edges and then on the watch's physical hardware they just leave enough of a margin around the screen to make that look right and so they're doing the same thing on the touch bar here which is another one of the many parallels it has to the watch <laughs> uh because it appears to run a variant of watch os and uh it's running on on what appears to be a variant of the watch's s1 chip uh, so... no, it's, it's totally different there's a t there instead of an s totally different product. right right and the w one is different <laughs> yes anyway um so yeah it's a same, similar move there it's it's a, it's a genius move like you know just we don't need the screen to be any bigger than this because the buttons are just gonna be that big so just make it look like the screen has a healthy margin and don't waste any pixels and power on anything that's not you know, necessary. So margins giveth and margins taketh away. Let us now discuss the escape button. Uh, By the way, boy. all the people like I didn't want to respond to all this on Twitter for the past week because it seemed tiring, but now I'm going to do it in the podcast. Uh the the point that we made either on the show last week or on Twitter about the escape key was all about the fact of it being a physical key. None of us on the show were saying that there was not going to be a little gray square with the letters ESC in it in the upper left corner of <laughs> that little screen. Well, almost the upper left corner. Yes, yes, I'm getting to that. We all knew it was. We all knew it would be there. It's just we were we were asking for a key because in our line of work it is a key that we hit more often than probably the average person, and it's nice to be able to reach up and feel for it and so on and so forth. So that was it. It was not about like people were saying when they showed the key. Look, there's an escape key. You got your escape key. It's like it's not a key. It's just a picture on a screen, and we knew that was going to be there anyway. It's an escape zone. Yes. As for margins, the the escape zone, <laughs> the escape zone on the touch bar does is not in the corner. So 
if we want to, it's like, well, okay, so it's not a physical button, but it's still on the corner, and you can reach for and feel the corner of the screen, right? Unfortunately, if you touch just the corner of the screen, you won't hit the escape button, because that first centimeter or so of the touch bar is, as far as I'm able to determine, completely inert. I know it doesn't have a screen underneath it. I'm pretty sure it also doesn't have touch sensors underneath it, although I see those things things don't, aren't necessarily connected. They could have put touch sensors under there, but no screen. Anyway, no screen is under there, so they can't physically draw the escape button against the left edge of the touch bar. And I'm pretty sure you can't touch there, which makes it kind of a shame, because if you're feeling for something to like reach out to the corner to find the thing, it's the one part you can feel for on a completely smooth like touch bar screen is you can feel for the top edges and the sides. So I would love to be able to reach up to that corner and hit the escape zone on the screen. Yes. Uh, but it looks like I will have to hit the zone slightly over to the right from the escape zone. <laughs> and I'm not particularly happy about that because it's like snatching defeat from the jaws of victory because you had it's like the one button I care about that's being replaced by a virtual button, the one I hit the most often. At least it's in the corner and I'll be able to feel for it. But now I can't feel for it. By the way, I'm, I'm probably getting one of these at work, which is why I'm more invested in this at this point. Um, and as I snarkily tweeted earlier, can we all guess why the screen doesn't go all the way to the edge on the left side? Why doesn't the screen extend underneath <laughs> that little bit? So on the opposite side is the touch ID sensor. That's the same width as the margin on the left side. Interesting. Exactly the same width or is it just close? I I think it's exactly the same. I haven't I haven't verified that though. Yes, I think it is. I think you're right. It is exactly the same with who do I know who likes margins to be exactly the same with on the right and left sides of things that they design. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, it, maybe <laughs> it it might be the same person who put the camera shutter slash volume up button directly opposite of the turn off the screen and go to sleep button on the iPhone. <laughs> oh, offsetting those wouldn't have helped that much. But anyway, like if you again, if you squint at this laptop, you see this is a, still a 15 inch laptop, which with a tiny keyboard crammed in there. Uh, and I know you want to have room for the speakers and I know so on and so forth. All I'm saying is that keyboard could be bigger on the 15 inch model, but they want to be uniform. Uh, same thing with the inverted T. You could have full size arrow keys if you didn't want to have a perfect rectangle. Johnny Ive and the Apple designers like symmetry. I like symmetry. I like things to to be uniform and centered and everything, but everyone has their limits. <laughs> and this is the, wow. the touch ID being on the gap on the right. I know it has to be there. That's fine. What I would have chosen if I was designing this is that the screen would go all the way to the edge uh, on, the, on the left side, even though it's not symmetrical. That's the choice I would have made. Apple made a different choice. All they have opened the door for is the ability to sell lefties model of this, where the Touch ID is on the left. Do you want a lefty or a righty 15-inch MacBook Pro? Oh, I want Touch ID on the left. Anyway, it's mostly silly. I think it will probably be fine, but it is another maddening case of uh, some people would say it's it's form over function. I think that's it's a little far. I think I'll probably still be able to find that escape key. Uh, the arrow keys bother me more than this, but boy, I I am... I am on a slightly different page than Apple's designers when it comes to symmetry and ergonomics. Well, and also, like, you will probably be able to find it, but you will probably have to look more often. And, 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 and we don't know yet, like, in practice, how often this will be a problem with all the buttons on the touch bar. But I would say, for the most part, I think most people who use Macs, like on Windows, Windows assigns all sorts of, like, frequent shortcuts to the F keys. Like, does, is the only way to close Windows still Alt-F4? Like so, Windows people might use those more often. Mac people, for the most part, you're not very heavily using almost anything in that function row, except the escape key. Where many people, and you know, we we as as geeks, we we often minimize or, or diminish or underestimate 
everyone else who's not a computer geek and their ability to use our computers that that we think are ours. <laughs> I even even there I, I I slipped into right anyway. Sorry about that. Other people who are not geeks, many of them know that the escape key often performs a cancel shortcut to lots of things in the OS. Full screen things, dialogues. I mean, like, there's so many things in using a computer where the escape key is a useful shortcut for literally escape, like cancel or escape what I'm doing, right? And normal people, in quotes, many of them know that. This is not like a thing that only people who use Vim use. Like, a lot of people know this. So this is this is not just like a thing that annoys geeks. Like the loss of a of a hardware escape key that you can hit without looking because we've all been taught to type without looking at the keyboard and the more you use keyboards the more you kind of just get into the habit of not looking at them. The the lack of the hardware escape key is actually going to inconvenience a lot of people. It is not just nerds. Now, it might be worth it. The whole rest of the benefits of this thing might end up being worth it in the end, but I don't like when people sit, when people minimize this as just a nerd thing because it really isn't. I think more nerds don't look at the keyboards than regular people, but I, uh, you know, I I know a lot of people. If I gave this computer to, would be annoyed by the fact that the escape is not a button. But uh, the, even if they're looking at the keyboard the whole time, but you know, that's I, I I'm willing to say that the benefit totally outweighs it because the features that are available on this thing are just fantastically better than a row of keys and i'm all on board with on board with that it's just like i said like the one the one button that you can feel for if touch id is in the right the left corner is the easiest place on that thing to find and if the touch region extended all the way to the left that would be that would make it almost as easy to hit because it's not like you're typing the escape key every once in a while you're hitting it if you're a normal person you're not it's not like the e key where you're constantly typing it so the fact that it's not a button wouldn't be like oh it feels weird when it's not a button it would be fine if it was over to left more by the way, the second most frequently used button in that top row for me on my Apple extended keyboard at work, can anyone guess what it is? Play pause? Mm, volume. No, it's the eject button. And I don't hit it on purpose. I hit it accidentally when I try to hit backspace. <laughs> and my the CD tray of a Mac Pro comes sticking out like a giant tongue. And why do I accidentally hit the eject button when I'm hitting backspace? Well, I'm not a great typist, but why do I accidentally hit the button? Because the top row of keys is jammed right up against the number row in the backspace keys. You know why? Because there's just not enough room on my giant expansive desk to put an extra five <laughs> millimeters between those two rows of keys. <laughs> Even Microsoft has lost the technology of separate sets of keys. Remember the original Microsoft ergonomic keyboard? It had the two halves of the keys, and then it had a space, and then it had the function keys, and then it had a space, and it had the inverted T, then it had a space, then it had the numpad. Look at the one that they just introduced recently. Yeah, and then your mouse is in New Jersey. I know, but I'm just saying, like, you can solve that problem by getting rid of the numeric keypad or whatever. I'm not asking for seven inches of space between these regions, right? But if you look at the new Microsoft ergonomic keyboard... They copied Apple down to the half-size function keys that are jammed up against the numbers. It's like vertical, and they have a huge wrist rest on this thing. It's like a seven-inch wrist rest, and yet they couldn't spare five millimeters to put a space between the top row function keys, and they couldn't make the top row function keys full size. Like, do you think we have room on our desk, or do you not think we have room on our desk? Because this keyboard is huge, but all your keys are jammed together, and the numeric keypads jammed against it, and home end and page up, page down are jammed together. Like... I don't know who's designing these things or what they think is going on, but like spaces between different sets of keys are a feature. Being able to feel for the top edge of the backspace key is a feature. I hate hitting that freaking eject button and seeing my CD tray eject, and I can hit it without even looking to, to, to push it back in once I hear the mechanism start going because there's a delay. I'm like, oh, I did it again. I hit the thing. To, oh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Wait, can you? Ex- I don't understand what you just said. You said something about a, a tray and a in a 
in a one I now? know. I know. It's hard to understand. It's his cup holder, Casey. Oh, the cup holder. Oh, yeah. I miss having one of those. Oh, man. That, that, man, that's a long time ago. Uh, I, and I would say again on a laptop, could you fit a keyboard on the 15-inch MacBook Pro that has a space between the number keys and the little strip thing? Maybe you would want to in this new scenario because it's like a screen and you want it to be able to reach a whatever. But anyway, for traditional keyboards, I think the space is important. I think having half-size keys up there is dumb. I think, uh, you know, the little strip thing is not the full height of a keys. Why not make that little strip be taller than it is? Maybe it's just the right height for the, the proportions they wanted for the features. But a lot of the times they show, like in, in the Photoshop demo, they were showing the history of the images. But the images were either they were either cropped or squished. Because if you show them, if you show them proportionally, they'll be really small. So you want to show more of it, but you only have width to expand in. Like, why isn't the touch bar the height of a full height key? Right. That's not. Is it just because the keys that it's replacing were half height? Like uh, maybe it's a cost concern. Maybe it's a power concern. I'm not entirely sure. But lots of decisions flow out of this that I don't quite understand. But as far as keys go, I liked it better when I had full size keys with different regions separated from each other, especially on a gigantic, expansive desktop keyboard. We are sponsored tonight by Audible.com with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. Get a free 30-day trial at audible.com slash ATP. If you want to listen to it, Audible has it. You can listen to audiobooks from virtually every genre, anytime, anywhere. And you can play Audible's audiobooks on phones, tablets, computers, even iPods if you still have an iPod lying around. Audiobooks are great for flights, long road trips, or even your daily commute. You may think you don't have time to read books, but you'd be surprised how many audiobooks you can hear every year, even if you only listen to and from work every day. Audiobooks can bring books to life. Many of them are read by the authors themselves, which even adds an extra dimension to the text. And you can take risks and try new authors and genres without regret with Audible because they offer their great listen guarantee. If you start an audiobook and don't like it, you can exchange it for another one for free. So see and listen for yourself. When you begin your free 30-day trial, you get your first audiobook for free, and there's no stress or obligation because you can cancel your membership at any time. With audiobooks and spoken word audio products, you will find what you're looking for. Get a free trial today by signing up at audible.com slash ATP. That's audible.com slash ATP. Thanks to Audible for sponsoring our show. If I had to summarize the releases today, uh, I am on on like the the good side like overall this was good as i said earlier it, this does not come with it, it, it isn't all roses like there there are some like bitter pills to swallow here but overall this was good uh and i'm i'm really happy that they are still doing things like the touch bar even even though like i will probably not use one for quite some time primarily because i get all my work done on the desktop like and and as i mentioned earlier i don't expect this to come to desktops um anytime soon uh, if ever and and so this this particular thing will probably not impact me day to day for a while if ever but they did make their laptops better faster newer designs thinner lighter like overall this was a really good day for mac laptops it was just not a day for Mac desktops or for anybody who cares about money, uh, which is a lot of people. Well, I had some lighter things on, on the uh, 
the touch bar before we move on from that topic. Sure. Uh, these, are, these are all credited to people on Twitter. So I was talking about the, you know, when I was doing my uh, cranky tweets about the symmetrical space on the size of the touch bar, like asking, you know, can anyone guess why that space is like that? I posted a picture from the Apple human interface guidelines that emphasizes the fact that the margins are identical on both sides of it as a hint to the people who aren't listeners to the show. And Dave Lehman had a good answer as to why the escape key is not up against the left margin. That's the space taken up by the headphone jack. Oh, no, you couldn't fit the headphone jack, but we had, you know, we had to come, we had to fit it in. And, you know, that's the headphone jack is right under there. <laughs> uh, and then I also tweeted that uh, we should start the countdown to uh, touch bar games because, you mm-hmm. know, if because it's the Mac and we don't have to send things to the Mac app store and this thing does have an API, you can make a touch bar game, I'm sure. Uh, of some fashion how, how responsive it can be i don't know because i don't it's not like you're you know i, I think is it is at a remove with that separate t1 chip over there but it would be fun to try to hack that to do something cool and here are the best entries for potential touch bar games richard gale suggested punch the monkey which is a joke that only people nice. who are on the internet in the, in the 90s will get because mm-hmm. that was a banner ad with the monkey and he moved mostly horizontally because there wasn't much room for him to go so punch the monkey is a great thing and benjamin glickin wins the idea for uh, touch bar game which he calls really boring snake <laughs> snake by the way for all for younger people is a game that was popular on cell phones back when the only games they could play was having a, anyway i can't explain snake if you don't get the joke trust me it's very funny it was called nibble in cubasic back in the day mm-hmm. i remember really that. boring snake you should copyright it capital r capital b capital s tm that's a game that you can make marco <laughs> I, honestly, the the gaming things might be. I, I saw James Thompson of Peacock fame uh, talking earlier about the. He, he was just starting to use the SDK. Awesome news that there appear, there appears to be a simulator uh, for building apps for it. So you don't need to have the hardware yet. Um, but it also appears that you only have access to it when your app is active. So if you were to make a a touch bar game, you might have to always have a window on screen that the user keeps active for your game to keep showing up in the touch bar. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, again, it's the Mac. We'll see what kind of hacks people can do to it. But like, and you mentioned before that the addressable market for touch bar things is going to be small. Um, and I think that would be more of a problem if the touch bar wasn't so damn cool. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and it probably seems like and, and it's also seems like it's easy to do something down there. It's just so cool. And it's in the simulator. And I expect to see a lot of applications doing possibly <laughs> inadvisable things with the touch bar. But it's just to have another place on uh, you know to have the th- place next to the keyboard that's configurable that you can do stuff in it will be exciting for developers to just try something especially if it's fairly straightforward to implement it seems like the classes they have for this type of stuff the ns scrubber and all the other stuff in the whole api seems pretty well thought out and well designed it won't be that hard to get something up there even if it's just a bunch of buttons and stuff and the apple apps are really showing the way with like we're not just putting a bunch of configurable buttons like casey was you know casey was saying before like oh it's just a bunch of buttons that change based on the context they've got you know i mean it's obviously lots of horizontal stuff but timelines thumbnails lots of interfaces it seemed pretty responsive in that you could do things on this little tiny ios control computer that would cause changes on the big mac computer a couple of inches away in a fairly responsive fashion making it so that you can do things without taking your hands off the keyboard or you know doing things two hands at once with one on the touch part and one on the trackpad i found that demonstration pretty compelling and i think even though such a small number of people relative to the rest of the mac user base are going to have this developers will add this feature because it's cool i i love the idea of this like amazing like high-end dual core supercomputer sitting there mostly idle as you 
play a game on this little 30 pixel tall strip <laughs> the whole screen's like they're lit up the whole computer's on doing nothing while you sit there playing the game on this little watch processor's little skinny screen <laughs> it, it could be an inversion of like the like the top part will be just like the the status display that shows your inventory and the whole game will take place <laughs> on a little strip on the bottom uh, lots of infinite runner, runners are potentially good there. I, again i don't know how much control you have in there but because it is a little computer doing that i wonder if you can somehow get code onto it for it to run i'm not sure what the whole deal is it, it, it seems to be communicating at a remove from the rest of the mac system but there is code running there to run the display and if you can get your code onto the t1 or onto whatever the t1 does and get it run to run from there that will be where you're you're fun at the very least you should probably be able to do pong or something right or or really boring snake yeah and we'll link to the the other thing for the touch bar is there's already apple human interface guidelines for it I briefly looked at them, and I remember reading it, and I'm like, oh, this all seems sensible and, and good ideas. But one of the items made me think that Apple had actually done a demo that was counter to it. Let me just see if I can find it now about, like, uh... Well, that's that's not new. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Apple doesn't uh, always follow the HIG, and following the, and the HIG is not a a Bible that has to be followed to the letter. Uh, it's, oh, it's no, they, they didn't... They didn't uh, yeah, the one that was confusing me, they're, they're within the bounds of the thing. It's like, avoid mirroring the touch bar interactions on the main screen, but they mean, the, the example they give, if the user taps a button on the touch bar and is presented with a list of options, don't also present those same options on the main screen. What they demoed was, for example, in Photos, when you're messing with, like, the exposure slider, they, rather than just you messing with the exposure slider on the touch bar and seeing the exposure change on the full screen image when you go into edit mode the photos app also goes into edit mode and when you drag the exposure slider the exposure slider is visible on the main screen as well and it drags it you know the same time as you are dragging your thing now that's arguably not the same as presenting of options in both places but it is kind of mirroring the controls it's like look am i am i changing the exposure in the sidebar of photos or am i changing the exposure on, on the on the touch bar I, it's kind of weird to have it in both places like the advantage should be as they showed in a couple other demos if i'm using the touch bar that means those controls don't have to be on the screen like that's the whole point of the touch bar i have them down here so more of the screen can be used to show me the content but maybe just because photos hasn't been updated to do that and the only way to be in edit mode is to have that view visible i don't know but um anyway well we'll put this link in you can and you can check it out it's, it's short it's one page and it's an interesting insight into how apple expects the touch bar to be used by developers all right. Anything else uh, worth talking about? Next, we haven't even talked about the Max RAM. 16 gigs Mac RAM on a $4,000 oh, notebook. Right. Yeah, no, that's unfortunate. That. You've got to say no on that one. Like 16 gigs, uh, uh, you know, standard on the 15-inch, fine. I can almost kind of forgive 8 gigs on the 13s. Maybe, maybe not, but the 13 Pro is increasingly less pro. We haven't even talked about that. But uh, 16 gigs Max on, on the big one, not not a good choice. Not a good choice at all. Especially since it's such a powerful machine compared to the previous one. Like, to have the same max RAM on, but if, you, if you're going to run any VMs, those are going to eat up your memory. And if you're going to be doing all these fancy things that you can do on this, this new computer with high-res images and video, 16 gigs of RAM max is not great. Well, I mean, look, let's be honest here. I mean, like, I see people on Twitter and stuff complaining, like, how could a pro machine not have this or have this or whatever else? Apple's use of the word pro is primarily about size and price target it it does not have to do with whether professionals whatever that means however you define that are able to use this computer for what they need or whether it's designed for them or not pro means it's the big expensive one period uh so the fact that 
Pros often need more than 16 gigs of RAM does not seem to enter Apple's thoughts about you know how to, whether to make that op- whether to make the option available or not here. I think it entered into their thoughts. They just would need more battery to do it, probably, and that's where the sticking point was. I'm assuming. I mean, RAM does use battery power and and not a small amount of it. But compared to everything else in there, I mean, the 15 inch has a 45 watt CPU next to a 35 watt GPU. And and by the way, one of the things that, that makes me sad about the new 15-inch is that I was always a fan of buying the low-end 15-inch configuration that only had the Intel integrated GPU, which which that, that option has been available now for quite some time, I think since around 2010 or so, uh, where it used to be, first it was just always discrete, and then eventually they, they had these dual GPU models around 2008 2009 or something like that uh where they would have this one they'd have the high power discrete gpu and they would also have the intel integrated gpu and then it would switch between them based on you know whether anything was running that needed the more power of the big one and 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 this switching you know not only not only does having two gpus and having a high powered one there in the first place not only does that raise the power requirement when that gpu is active uh and it raises the ceiling of how high the power consumption can get if it's under load um but also there were often bugs switching between those two gpus uh it, that's not an easy task and and the max switching between them would often have weird issues and they're they're Wait, like what uh visual glitches both gpus staying active and using too much power um occasionally even blue screens also the other problem is that having another big hot chip on the uh logic board Will actually significantly raises the failure rates, uh, and many people. And there, I think there have even been class actions against this, and extended service programs, and everything. Where often uh, a 15-inch uh, MacBook Pro will have a big problem with the GPU failing after a certain amount of time because just the, just the additional heat and stress on the board and everything. Um, like there were big problems with Nvidia back in the day, and and these problems. I don't know if there's any recent ones. But it, 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 it's basically there, there's enough of a downside to having a to having the discrete GPU in the 15 inch, both in in battery and heat uh, in possible bugs and possible failures down the road that I've always favored the option because I'm I, I'm neither a gamer nor do I use external monitors uh, with my 15 inches like I just use it as itself when I, when I do use it. Um, I've always been a fan of of buying the intel only gpu version and for whatever reason that version that that option is gone now uh now you can only buy it with the amd one and somebody on twitter told me earlier i don't know if this is true or not somebody said that the the newest version of the intel integrated gpu that would be in this is actually slower than the previous one so that that might be the reason apple might have a legitimate reason for getting rid of that option um but well what about what about the fact that it can drive two 5k displays i don't suspect yeah, i was going to mention that like there's there there's some big advantages to this and then you lose the proness i think marco would still want it he's like i don't need to drive two 5k displays but i think uh, all these reasons uh, the one that is common to, to all them uh, that both the memory and the gpu is uniformity if you just have one model it always comes of 16 gigs it always comes with the gpu that's another cost savings that's another resource and investment thing how many different SKUs do you want to have how many different varieties do you want to have the ram is soldered to the board if we have one with more ram it's it's more of a pain like do you want to have one with and without discrete gpu just do the one with discrete gpu because the one without you know the integrated one is crappy and you can't drive the monitors and then how do you have four thunderbolt three ports and everything you know so I, there's a lot of reasons I can think of for for both of these choices, but I have more faith in Marco than in the discrete GPU simply because this one is 14 nanometers, which has got to help with the heat and everything. And I'm hoping that they have mostly worked out the kinks of the GPU switching. If they could do it power wise, it might be easier just to 
always use the discrete one that would probably be slaughter your battery but that would be good from a bug perspective i know a lot of people use what was that thing called marco the little menu bar thing it was a uh, graphics card status by cody krieger Yep, that's right. Yeah, there was a utility where you could say, where you could make it use one GPU or the other. And one possible solution to bugs was like, look, plug in your laptop and just make it only use the discrete GPU. Uh, and then you don't have to worry about it. Well, but even even that was controversial because like even that one, like it could force the discrete GPU to be on, but it couldn't force the discrete GPU to be off. Because uh, like under certain models, like it would it would tell that 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 utility that it was in, that was it was integrated only but it would still run the, it would still run the discrete one anyway and it was it basically like you could never count on it to only use the integrated one you could as you said you could count on it to always use discrete but then you're you're losing a lot of battery life and making more heat uh, to get that because you know these the gpus are very complicated you know a gpu in a laptop these days like a good one is almost or equally or even more complicated and and heat demanding and battery demanding than a cpu so you know, like that said, that's that's a thirty-five watt GPU in there next to a forty-five watt CPU. That's a lot of extra power there. Uh, so if you don't need it, and you know, like again, the, def- the definition of pro, there are lots of types of pro work that don't need GPU power. I have never really needed much GPU power. In what I do, I'm a pro. Tiff doesn't need it. She's a pro. Like lots of John, I bet you don't need it except for games. But on your work computer, I bet you don't have it, or you, you or rather, you don't need. Uh, graphics card power casey do you need a good graphics card on your work computer or your home one for that matter no but i think you're giving a pretty narrow definition of pro pro to you is someone who does the sorts of things that you or your family do and there's a lot of other flavors of pro that might necessitate that gpu and since i have the floor i will say that the only time i ever had problems with my 2011 to my two 2011 macbook pros each of with with each of which had discrete cpu gpus the only time i ever had any sort of glitches or issues was when i was running graphics card status when i was just using os 10 or you know mac os now out of the box i never had an issue except i could not agree with you more marco that battery life just was slaughtered when the discrete gpu was on completely agree there but in terms of like glitches and stuff like that i never had any of those problems as soon as i stopped talking about uh graphics card status or since i stopped rolling graphics card status I would always buy if I had a choice and they had it with me. I would always buy the one with the discrete GPU anyway. Well, you're like, a gamer even with all the bugs. I, I even not just because of the games, just because it's like, look, if you're buying the pro, you just it's going to be the biggest, the hottest, the the you know. And and I, like I said, I think I have I have faith. I like the fact that we're not in the bad old days where the GPUs used to be done on a worse process than the CPU. This GPU is 14 nanometers. It is on actually. It is actually the current architecture. That AMD is uh, has out right now. I think it's the current one, Polaris. Instead of being like three or four generations behind, like the embarrassing, G- it's not. It's not the super fast. As some people are asking me, is this like a gaming laptop? No, it is not. Like this is not. This is not the best GPU you can get in a laptop by a long stretch of the imagination. But compared to what we had before, like that's why they could put up those slides. Look, it's a hundred percent faster. It's like yeah, because those ones were ancient, and this one is contemporary, middle of the road. You know, probably not as clocked as high, not the best of the best, you know, but I like GPUs. I would always buy the one with the big hot GPU. My laptop's going to be plugged in at work all the time anyway. Uh, but it's it's good for, it would be nice, you know, again, options. How many SKUs do you have? How many options do you have? Marco would like one that has a big screen but doesn't have a discrete GPU. They don't make that product I think mostly because of uniformity. We make one of these computers, we make one of those, we make one of those. But they did until today. <laughs> I know. Actually, well, I'm the, pretty sure the, they still sell it. <laughs> yeah, you might be you might be able to still buy the old one because why would they stop selling it? 
Yeah, but I mean, basically, so besides that, though, I mean, the 15, ultimately, the 15 looks like an incredible update. Uh, I, I am a little concerned about real world battery use here. I, I'm very, very interested to see the reviews come out and to see people's experiences with these things as they come out. Because one of the problems that I've always ha- that, that I've had recently with a lot of the, as I mentioned before, a lot of the gains we've made in battery life recently in you know probably the last five years at least has really been in reducing the 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 idle power levels of these chips uh, and and of computers. It's basically reducing the amount of power that computers use when you're when you're using them very lightly for things like email and web browsing. Uh, but as soon as you do anything that really strains them, like many pro types of applications uh, or running Chrome, then the battery life drops tremendously. Like like you might get ten hours if you're doing light web browsing, but four hours if you're actually pushing it a little hard, or two hours if you're pushing it to the max. Uh, and so like the huge differences in in like better life under under light loads and better life under moderate to heavy loads with this i i fear that we're going more in that direction just because you know just looking at the specs i mean you have these these big hot chips in there and the one that doesn't go in this direction that i'm very very interested in is the new macbook escape because that one i think we need to talk about so the macbook escape the new 13 inch low end one with the real effing keys is the one that I have pre-ordered, or ordered, I guess, that it's going to arrive next week. <laughs> the reason why is because as far as I can tell, so here's, here's the weird thing about this computer. Apple quotes all three of these new MacBook Pros. The MacBook Escape, the new 13 with the touch bar, and the new 15 with the touch bar. They quote all three of them as having 10-hour battery life. And if you look at what hardware is in them, this doesn't quite make sense. Now the 15, of course, the 15 has a bigger battery. That makes sense, though. So, you know, it, it has much more power-hungry components in it, but it has a bigger battery. So you can kind of see that the 13, the 13 with touch bar and the 15 with touch bar, having very different components but very different battery sizes, can be made to to have the same battery life. But the MacBook Escape has effectively the MacBook Air guts in it. It has the MacBook Air processor, which uses half the power of the 13-inch. It has, you know, no, no discrete GPU. So basically compared to the other 13-inch with the touch bar, it has a processor that uses half the power at max load. It doesn't have the touch bar and whatever power it takes to drive the touch bar. And it has 10% larger battery capacity. And it's quoted at the same battery life. That makes no sense to me. My best guess here is that the 13-inch MacBook Escape gets substantially better battery life than the 13-inch MacBook with touch bar. But Apple probably didn't want to trumpet that, that the low-end one gets the best battery life in the whole lineup of these new things, because that might discourage people from buying the new touch bar. And by the way, on this on the 13-inch model, I'm kind of surprised that Apple emphasized this. They're saying, look, it's the you know it's smaller than the Air, and has less volume in the Air, and all these other things. I, this is kind of the amazing futuristic computer, either one, either the 13-inch one, or the, the Escape, or the regular one with touch bar that I always wanted the air to be, and they finally made it. Because I've always been cranky about the wedge shape. It's like, what do you, what, you know, why are you saving that space? Why are you scalloping your batteries like they're potatoes? Just make it the same <laughs> thickness from end to end. You can fit more battery in. And they did it. They finally did it. This is 
a Mac that is not thinner at one end of the other for aesthetic reasons, which means they can fit more battery into it, which means it probably gets really good battery life for the powerful internals. It's got two ports instead of one. They're Thunderbolt 3, right? They're Thunderbolt 3 on that, right? I'm not, not yeah, remembering that. that's right. They're Thunderbolt 3, like, this is a hell of a laptop. And it makes me, you know, it's, it's, bad, for, it's bad for most people that it's $500 more expensive, but I feel like it justifies that price by actually having modern technology in it and being being the same thickness all the way across and having better battery life and like i i don't think i would have gotten the escape one because i think the touch bar is too compelling it's like look if you're gonna buy one it's like the iphone if you're gonna buy one if you're gonna get black you might as well get jet black because that's the new thing yeah uh but marco's making a bet on the battery life the specs seem to bear out your theory that it will have better battery life uh but don't you want to play with a touch bar what are you gonna what are you gonna do with this well see here's here's exactly the thing I, if you are the kind of person, you listener, if you use your laptop as your primary computer, get the touch bar. Because you're right, that is the new thing. That might be the future. You know, Apple will, will wedge it into the future, whether it will be or not. So that, that will become the future. Um, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And that'll be a new cool thing to use and play with and to probably improve your productivity, at least sometimes, if not all the time. So if your, your laptop is your primary computer, get the touch bar. But... That's, it's not my primary computer. My primary computer is my iMac, and hopefully next year, an, another Mac Pro. I get all of my work done almost all the time at a desktop. So I'm not really going to get into the touch bar lifestyle. I'm, it's never going to be a thing that really like, you know, that really gets, gets itself into my workflow until I can use it on a desktop. And as I mentioned, that might be never. So right now, what I do want out of a laptop is... I would like one that is small and light. And by the way, just to put into perspective how small and light these new laptops are, the new 13-inch MacBook Escape and the new 13-inch MacBook are both as uh, as light as the 13-inch MacBook Air always has been. The 15-inch is 4 pounds now. That is substantially lighter than the 13-inch plastic MacBooks were. Those were, I think, either either 5.0 or 5.5. I, I looked it up before the show, and I, I forgot. Uh, or maybe, they might have even been 4.5. But regardless, this is the, the new 15-inch is lighter than the plastic MacBook was. And that was the small and light computer of its day. And that day was not that long ago. <laughs> so that's impressive. So the reason to not get a 15-inch, if you're, if you're weighing the, the, you know, the, the pros and cons here, the reason to get a 15-inch or not should not have to do with the weight by itself. Footprint might matter to you. Cost, of course, is a thing, although the cost difference, once they're spec'd up, is actually not that big. Uh, it's kind of embarrassingly so, not that big. But uh, cost is, is one thing. Footprint is one thing. But it's only four pounds. The, the 13-inch MacBook Air is three pounds. And so that's really awesome. Like, that's a really lightweight computer for what you're getting for that price. But anyway... I'm trying out the, the MacBook Escape because for me, it is not my primary computer. I want something small and light. That's why I originally bought the MacBook One back when it came out and ended up returning because I hated it. But, you know, I think this will probably solve the problems I had with the MacBook One. This will probably be the best computer for me to have in the, in the small and light role. And in my current needs, that, that's, that's I, think, I think that will fit me best. And because I'm not using it that often and for all of my work whether it has a touch bar or not for me is not that relevant but again for you listener if you're getting one to be your primary computer you should probably get the touch bar one 
because it'll be cool. Uh, is this the first one they did the giant escape key with, or did they do that on the MacBook One as well? I forget. I forget. That might have been. Was that on the 13 inch Air before that? Yeah. Like the the reason they did it, by the way, what we're talking about is the the escape key on the MacBook Escape is really wide. It's like wider than you would expect a normal key to be. And I looked at it briefly, like why is that so wide? Uh, just just specifically on this computer because I, I looked at the old 13 inch uh, MacBook Pro, and in the old ones, the space between the function row keys and escape. There was more space with the, between them horizontally than there was between like the letter keys, right? Mm, yeah, and so they were more spread out. And by spreading them all out, then you end up with like uniform, normal width keys all along the top. They were still a little bit wider than you would have. Anyway, now the keys are all closer together, which means that if you kept the same number of keys in the top row, you'd have this empty space. And so they just made the escape key really wide, which is fine with me. Like it, you know. In, in fact, it was kind of funny. Speaking of these keyboards that I hate so much, not because of the key presses, which we'll talk about in a moment, <laughs> but because of the key placement. Like, they spent so long uh, denigrating the function key and being like, you know, who uses function keys? It's better. Like, which I totally sold them. Like, yes, it is much better. This is like the iPhone argument writ small. Like, it's better. Instead of having fixed hardware keys, we'll have software keys and you can do much more cool things. Like, good. Thumbs up, right? Function keys are not. They're right. Function keys are not used that frequently. More often, people are hitting the quote unquote function keys to change their brightness and their monitor volume or the speaker volume and to pause stuff. Like, that's what they're used for. All in total agreement. Then why does the effing key get this place of pride on the portable keyboards right if it is so infrequently used why are you hogging the good spot on the keyboard with the effing key if people aren't going to you know and i say this obviously as someone who sits spends more time than the average person average mac user hitting a, the control key because it comes up a lot in in programming and unixy crap um i would like that to be the control key down in the corner and i know everyone's saying Right now, if they're listening, you know you can remap keys if you haven't remapped <laughs> cap locks to, to control like it's a, a Solaris machine from the 90s. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> Everyone knows the proper place for control is where the cap locks is. And uh, in a Sierra update recently, the OS now lets you remap the escape key to something else. So if you're real upset about not being able to, to have a real key for the escape key, you can remap it to whatever you want. There are solutions here. But I, I, what I'm saying is I'm even more on board than Apple seems to be about the dinosaur nature of the function key like i i don't use them i need to be able to type them sometimes that's fine uh but i don't use them so much that i would be happy to get rid of the f and key as well or at least move it to a less easily accessible place because the corners that's a great place on the keyboard to have the corners right uh and i don't think the f and key deserves that place anymore well i think the reason it's there is because that's your gateway to getting the legacy behavior from the touch bar because uh, federici mentioned on stage that oh if you need one of those old keys just mash down on the function key and then the touch bar becomes the the prior the the f and keys if you will but but nobody uses those as they were emphasizing like who uses function keys we all use them for the other functions if you need them back yeah you can get them back it's fine but like i don't think getting them back is such a common operation that it deserves the lower left corner. Well, I mean, like, you know, yeah, people don't use, like, F7 a lot, but they do use pause, you know, but I guess those will always be there. Anyway. The pause, like, oh, I see what you're saying, just to get, like, to get, I mean, you have the control strip, though, even in the context sensitive, right, you can right, still right. get at those things. Like, it's, it's a weird, I mean, the main thing that I saw a lot of people tweeting about, which is also true, is if you happen to be a person who goes from either desktop to laptop or goes from dock to laptop with, with, with like, an Ergonaut keyboard or something, like, it's weird to have two sets of habits where on basically every keyboard that's not a laptop keyboard, lower left is control. Again, if you haven't remapped it and so on and so forth. Um, but when you go on laptops, you have to remember, oh, lower left and over a bit is control. You know, like different habits for different environments. They do so much for the uniformity of the keyboards. 
and they blow that uniformity on a key that is commonly used by people in my profession obviously not by regular people i understand this is a this is a minor concern not of concern to most normal people who hit don't hit the control key or the effing key ever i understand this is minor but uh but like i was saying keep keep going like put the effing key someplace else that's even less free or make it a weird key combination or something because regular people can get at that stuff using the control strip expanding it as needed and everyone else you know that can find wherever the hell they move the effing key to well, and I do want to nitpick one thing, though, is that, you know, you keep saying, I, I've seen a lot of people say this, I, well, that sounds, that sounds Trumpian, I, I've seen this idea spread around a lot, which is, like, they they didn't design this for me, or for us, or for you, like, you know, and this this is designed this way, not not for your needs, but for everyone else's needs. Well, again, like, if, if you, like, start sanding off groups of users, be like, well, this, this kind of sucks for me, but this, this wasn't designed for me that's huge chunks of customers and if you keep doing that like everything they change or remove or or make worse about something is going to affect some group of customers and eventually that adds up like eventually if you do that too much like it's it's like a it's like a design fallacy to design for like quote the average or the normal or the mainstream because everyone has something that's out of the mainstream that they do with their computer or or their devices and so the more that the more that apple focuses in and sands off the edges and makes things harder or worse for quote non-mainstream uses they're they're losing potential customers they're making things worse for their existing customers every time they do that this adds up this is not insignificant yeah speaking of that though getting back to the pros uh we didn't talk about this but i'm happy that there are four thunderbolt three ports on the big pro like, I mean, obviously six would be better if you're a port maniac, but four, like, you can't argue with that. Like, every one of those ports has amazing capabilities, which they emphasize and think every one of those can do all sorts of things. And as Casey pointed out, you can drive two 5K displays off your laptop, which is phenomenal. A laptop, 5K displays, by the way, that appear not to have GPUs in them from what I've been able to determine. The magic that they're doing is like, as we've discussed in the past, like, don't you need DisplayPort 1.3 to do this? And these are only DisplayPort 1.2? Yes, but they're doing multi-streaming. So it is like you are connecting two cables, but it's it, my understanding at this point is that they are taking two DisplayPort 1.2 streams using this multi-streaming thing or whatever over the Thunderbolt 3 things, which is why they're why you're able to drive even a single 5K display off these laptops. And the fact that you can drive two off of it is amazing. And then you still have two ports left over, both of which you could connect these giant Hydra hub to, like, Phil emphasized this. Well, in the... one of them's going to have a power cable in it. Yeah, yeah, all right. So you got one left, but still, like, you can hook a lot of stuff up to this laptop, um, and that that feels pro, and this is the, the future that we were all promised. Uniform, same kind of very tiny, amazingly capable port. We're kind of, like, finally there. After so many years of, like, USB and Firewire and Thunderbolt and mini display port and VGA and... and dvi and adc and just to to be able to finally seeing like the 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 goal posts the end goal of like just a bunch of little tiny uniform boards each of which does phenomenal stuff even if it comes at the cost of magsafe which you all love so dearly uh even if it it comes at the cost of having some dongles or whatever i want to live in the future where the only port on all of my computers is this tiny little thing that does everything and i would like there to be a lot of them and four i think is a reasonable number for a 15 inch computer Five or six would be even better, especially since one is used for power, but I'm willing to go with it, and I mostly give that a thumbs up. And two two on the 13-inch, it's nice they didn't hold the line there and say, well, it's a 13-inch, it only has one. Having two, three would be better than two. There, I think they're a little bit one under, but I, I love, what I'm saying is I love Thunderbolt 3. 
I love this future that we've arrived at. <laughs> Doesn't the the 13-inch with touch bar I think has four? Because it's only only the it's only the MacBook Escape has two, and, and I think that's mostly because of the MacBook Air chipset not having enough, uh, probably not enough PCI Express lanes to have more than that. If I had to take a guess. All right, if that's the case, then that, that's reasonable. Also, I believe the display, that LG display, will power the Mac over. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like it's a very Apple-like solution to a non-existent Apple monitor. I, I, I'm I'm trying to figure <laughs> out if the monitor, if the monitor has a GPU in or not, because as we know, we've seen these rumors on various sites, and our ITB tipster has been insisting that there exists somehow this 5K external Apple display. And in this presentation, Apple's like, if you want to use a cool 5K display, buy this one from LG that probably uses the same panel as the iMac. Uh, and it's awesome, and try it. And Apple has done this in the past many times. When it doesn't have a product for sale, it will direct you to a third-party one. Uh, this has been taken a sign by many people that this means Apple definitely doesn't have a 5K display. I don't know whether they do. I really want Apple to have one, even if it's the exact same panel. Not because this LG display is bad. This is exactly what I want. I just don't want it to be ugly like that one is. I know it's stupid, and I'm picky, and I want it to match and be nice, but like for crying out loud... The LED display has a bigger margin on the top of the display than the bottom. What kind of maniac? It's a five head. The thing is a five head. It's just, it's no, it's, anyway, I'm sure it's a lovely display, LG. I just want Apple to make one. If they never do, I will buy something like this LG display. And I think the way it works with laptops is amazing and like, you know, applause all around. I mean, I have always used a third party external display with my Macs until I got this iMac. Uh, this is, I've never bought an Apple display for my, Tiff had one, but I never bought one for myself before this iMac. I always had like Dells and HPs and before that, like any, always third party displays. And this new LG one is uglier than every monitor I have ever owned. (laughs) It's not that bad in the grand scheme of like, of PC displays. No, it really is. Well, no, what makes it ugly? It's not ugly, but it doesn't, it doesn't match the Apple aesthetic. You know what I mean? With like... The glass and the aluminum and the sort of tastefulness of the stand. I mean, it's fine. It's not. It's not hideous. There are hideous PC monitors. We've all seen them. Like where they just they they do the wrong thing with the foot and make the margins all weird. Even this this Asus display that I have my PlayStation attached to has like this shiny surround on it that I find weird and it's kind of creaky and the the power button is on the bottom and when you hit it the whole display tilts and it's just it, it doesn't feel as nice and this is totally like touchy-feely aesthetic stuff like i'm not even talking about the screen right because again Mel- lg makes all the panels anyway like they make the, they make the panel for the imac they make the panel for this like that's not what i'm talking about i'm just a picky person um and i also think apple should be in the business of making displays because it's a it's a selling point to say first of all why shouldn't apple make that money they can add margin sell it for an extra hundred bucks like whatever we'll buy it the sucker all the suckers will buy it and it's like nice cool thing look that thing they touted you can connect one thunderbolt cable to your laptop and it charges it and it also drives it it's like that's amazing that should be like that should be in an apple family like product family photo like look at this awesome setup you could have you could have this portable computer when you sit down at work you have this amazing screen or even two of them that's phenomenal and i feel like apple is not emphasizing that arrangement as much because it's like well we don't even make the display we'll mention it and it's nice and we probably have some deal with lg and we work with them uh but it's not going to be in all our product family shots maybe it'll be in one of them um and so I, I feel like Apple is leaving money on the table. I continue to hold out hope that they will introduce a 5K display. Maybe I'm a fool. Obviously, if the Mac Pro is ever revised and there's still no 5K display, well, I'm just glad there'll be something for me to buy. Yeah, I mean, if the, I, I would give the chances of this of Apple's 5K display actually coming out now, like I, you know, I believe Tipster and everyone else that this thing exists inside of Apple and, and that it was possibly even finished. Uh, but whether it ships is always a different story, and. and 
I would give the likelihood of this shipping now, since it didn't ship at this event, and since Apple pushed the LG one so hard, I would say it's 50-50 at best now. Yeah, it's looking, it's looking grim. Uh, if it does ship, it'll probably ship, like, you know, maybe maybe next summer when the Mac Pro is presumably updated, if that even happens. Like, even that is a big if. So, are you two pleased? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not prodding you on purpose anyway are you pleased with this event because i feel like i've heard both of you flip-flop between this was wonderful and oh my god i hate everything <laughs> that's an exaggeration but i mean are, are you happy with what apple did today or are you completely left wanting marco ordered a computer so he's got to be happy in some respects <laughs> yeah i mean like i'm happy in the sense that like i mean for years i've i've been saying Man, wouldn't it be great if they put the Air CPU inside a a computer with a a nice large battery and and with a Retina screen and everything? And that's exactly what they did. And that's kind of why I'm put, I'm you know put my money where my mouth is and actually ordering this computer because I think it's going to be amazing for my actual preferences right now. However, uh, the rest of the event, you know, it, it's a mixed bag. They and uh, you know they we didn't even talk about the keyboard. They they according to most of the reviewers, it seems like this keyboard feels very similar to the MacBook One keyboard, and that is not good. Yeah, I was going to say earlier, you said you ordered this one because it solved all the problems, but isn't one of the reasons that you hated the MacBook One was the terrible keyboard, and now you just ordered a computer with with the slightly improved version of the same keyboard? Yes, uh, and that's I'm going to have to see if that works for me. I hope it does. Uh, it might not. Do we know when these new new ones are going to be in stores? Are they today? The the MacBook Escape is going to be available, I think, tomorrow or early next week. Uh, it's it's in the next few days for the MacBook Escape, and then the the uh, the MacBook with Touch Bars. Uh, I don't think there is a clear in store date on those, but I think it's going to be probably two or three weeks at least. Now, to be clear, I'm not talking about to purchase. I'm talking about to take it for a test drive in terms of the the keyboard. Yeah, no, I'm I'm guessing that you're not going to see any before two weeks from now. My understanding, uh, I don't think anybody, I don't think even the reviewers have the touch bar ones yet. So that, I mean, it's clear they're not ready yet. I mean, maybe maybe they're hanging out with the AirPods in a warehouse somewhere, but uh, they're 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 clearly not out for for showing outside of that press room today yet. I mean, the the press got to play with them. They just might not have gotten to take one home. So they were there, like people who could use them. You can see videos online of people playing with them. That's that's where I got to see like how how really cool this. And we spent so long not seeing matte monitors, you know. And so to see a tiny matte display where they where they f- match the finish to the keycaps, it looks it looks super cool. It looks like a, a future world thing. It also makes you wish that all the keys were tiny screens and then the, the whole keyboard is a screen. But we already talked about that. Yeah. So it's so it's John, probably going to be great, but. Overall, though, the event, I think, is good for most of the things it introduced, but there are a bunch of asterisks because some things did get worse or more expensive, and it was it was an incomplete update to the Mac line because there's a lot of things that still didn't get updated that desperately need them, and we were expecting that, of course, but that does color our feelings on it because what we've seen basically is that Apple might be out of the woods on the MacBook Pro, but we don't know if they're out of the woods yet on everything else. Well, I mean, I don't think the iMac is really in a bad spot. Now, the other ones, uh, I will concede. But I think the laptops look good now. I don't think the iMacs are bad. I think once the KB Lake or whatever it's called comes out, I think then we'll see the update there. The Mini and the Pro, obviously, are total dumpster fire. But, um, I mean, the, the main desktop line and the main laptop line are both looking good. And that's not a bad place to be. John, what did you think of the event? So I think all the computers they introduced are 
pretty good like you always have your little complaints like you know, half the time it's like the storage on the iphones or whatever on this one it's the max ram on the thing and the escape you know, you know but overall these are really good machines these i, I think the the important point to, to take away from this is it it is now safe to recommend people to buy macbook pros again whereas for a long time it wasn't and now i think we all feel totally safe because all these are winners all these are good computers they have modern-ish internals even if it's not kb lake or whatever the, on the models that could possibly have it right they have something cool and new and interesting which is the touch bar in some models their retina their p3 like the the thunderbolt the capabilities for external displays like these are these are good laptops uh and you mentioned we're like oh they're probably out of the woods on the macbook pros it's difficult to say on those type of things because it's like, yeah, so now finally, finally, they're, they're, they're recommendable models. They are Macs to be proud of. They are Macs that Apple can be proud of selling, that the people are people who buy them are going to have good experiences, even if like, oh, I miss MagSafe and I wish I had an SD card slot or whatever. Like, these are good laptops. But just like the Mac Pro, you're not really out of the woods with one data point. You have to you have to show that it's not going to be another year and a half and we're not going to have to wait for three more generations of Intel CPUs for the uh, for the 15 inch to get upgraded to the to the new architecture, right? Like that's what you have to show. You have to to restore faith. You really have to show consistency. So good, we we have ended the drought, but it's like we don't you know don't trust that this is going to be an ongoing concern until you show me. All right, update them to KB Lake. You know, update them to whatever lake is after that. I forget what, what the hell the, the Intel... Like, are you going to update this regularly now? Because that's what we want as Mac fans and enthusiasts and buyers of, like, really expensive machines with high margins, right? We want to show... We want to see that Apple cares about our concerns. So, good, you did that for these ones, but I'm still kind of, like, cautiously looking at it. And a lot of the event for the things that we knew weren't going to be there we're still grumpy about them not being there you mentioned all those things like the ones they introduced that's not the problem those are cool machines it's the ones they didn't introduce even though we knew we weren't going to introduce them we can still be cranky about it and the ones that they're still selling unmodified because i feel like apple's laptop line is now still filled with some machines that seem kind of creaky and old not that they're bad machines not like the mac pro you know like the 13 inch non-retina air it's not a bad machine but i feel like it is a increasingly worse value proposition as other things get better same thing with the imac 5k imac i think is a great computer Mm -hmm. but suddenly it looks slightly worse when i see the 15 inch pro which has a cool touch bar and has the thunderbolt three things and i look at the 5k imac i'm like you look slightly less amazing to me now which is as it should be every time you make a new computer your older ones that you haven't updated in a while look a little bit worse but now it's filled with the fear of like, and will they update the iMac to have Thunderbolt 3 ports on the back? And will they update the iMac to have KB Lake and a better GPU? Like there's this fear involved in everything. It's like we don't just trust like, yeah, well, you know, the iMac was updated before and now the MacBook Pros are at the head of the pack. The old way was like, yep, the MacBook Pros are the kings now, but soon the iMac will get its update and then it will leap ahead and we'll just go on, you know, leapfrogging each other. And, you know, sometimes it's cool when they all update at the same time when we get excited, but otherwise we just expect this cadence. And now with this really long delay between things every it's almost as if by introducing the new cool macbook pros it has made us feel worse about the rest of their line that wasn't updated than we did before so it is a mixed bag and i have to say honestly that finally to cap this off the the surface studio event really did affect how this felt to me right which is a rare thing that happens at a microsoft event and a microsoft product colors how i view apple's things but it, but it just did, and I'm, we'll save this for a future show to, to dwell more on the 
the Surface Studio products whose name I can't remember and keep messing up when I try to say that did color how I look at this. Uh, and that has good and bad aspects, but it, it means that I, I don't have the same unbridled for all these reasons. I don't have the same unbridled enthusiasm for the new products as I, as I used to, even though I think they're really cool. And like I said, even though I'm actually going to be getting one of these at work, which I am kind of excited about. Thanks. Let's our three sponsors this week, audible.com, Squarespace and MacPaw. And we'll see you next week. Now the show is over. They didn't even mean to begin. Because it was accidental. accidental. Oh, it was accidental. accidental. John didn't do any research. Marco and Casey wouldn't let him. Because it was accidental. accidental. Oh, it was accidental. accidental. And you can find the show notes at atp.fm. And if you're into Twitter, you can follow them at C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S. So that's Casey Liss, M-A-R-C-O-A-R-M-E-N-T, Marco Arment, S-I-R-A-C, USA Syracuse. It's accidental. I really do want to go to the store and uh, and try out one of these keyboards because it's funny. I I don't have the unbridled hatred of the uh, MacBook One keyboard that Marco seems to, but I I definitely agree that it is it 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 leaves me wanting. But as I've said numerous times, I freaking love the Magic Keyboard, which is not that far away from the MacBook One keyboard. So. I'm curious, once I try these new machines, will I find them to be more MacBook One or more Magic Keyboard? And and to Marco's point earlier, everyone that's reviewing them is saying, well, it's more MacBook One than Magic. But I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious to try it. I think it was interesting too, like in in the Johnny Ive explanation video, that they really hammered on the fact that this was the second generation butterfly key switch. Like they, they, they really made it very clear this is not the same keyboard, this is an improved keyboard. Which I thought was kind of a tacit acknowledgement of like, yeah, that first one wasn't very good or was at least controversial. <laughs> so they really want us to know that this is new and improved. We'll see if it actually is. Yeah. I've been thinking about this this theoretical product. The more I think about it, the more ridiculous it seems in my mind. The idea because you mentioned you really like the new magic keyboard and you know, I, I don't like the fake the fact that it's all squished up there, but the the key presses I might like. I don't even know if I actually tried one. Anyway, uh touch bar. A touch bar on a magic keyboard, like a magic keyboard, you know, mm-hmm. a plug in or otherwise or with a battery. Just just start to think about that product and how how absurd it is. It is basically an an old iPad with a really skinny screen and a physical keyboard welded to it. <laughs> like, like, it's like, I want a thing that I touch down here that has a screen, but mostly it's a keyboard, but there's also a screen with a little computer running it. And it's like, that. how does that tension resolve itself between these two things? And the keys, by the way, are getting thinner and smaller and traveling less and less. It's just so weird. Anyway, I would like one of those. I would, if they, Of course, I would want the extended one. An Apple extended keyboard, an aluminum Apple extended keyboard with full size, you know, full size touch bar separated from the number things. Like I'm willing to give up all this desk space, all this precious desk space that apparently they think I'm filling my desk with coffee cups or something. And I don't have five millimeters to spare. That would be a cool product. But man, would that be a man? Would that be a weird product? Because it's like it's, it's like an iPad with a tiny screen with a keyboard attached. What the hell is that? 
I don't even know. It, it, it's definitely, but I, I, like I said, it is definitely a transitional fossil. It is, it is not the end evolution of anything. So out of curiosity, do you use your, your 10 key numeric keys that often? Mostly to enter RSA token values, but yeah, I do use it for that. <laughs> and and if you want, oh RSA, oh RSA. Um, every time I every time I use it to two factor into a production machine, that number is burned. So you know, I open up another tab or another window immediately. Got to wait for a new number. Oh, <laughs> Type in a new one. Delightful. It is, and I do use that. I, I would sacrifice it though. If you're asking, like I would, I would chop off that thing. I, I want, I want home, I want home and end and page up and page down and, and arrows. I will not give them up, but I would sacrifice the numpad if I could. Uh, well, any Apple keyboard I've ever seen, you either give up the home and page up, etc., with the ten keys. I know. Uh, I mean, that's. I mean, teach their own. I, I would. I guess in a perfect world, I wouldn't mind having them, but I absolutely would prefer a wireless keyboard, except maybe with the mini iPad on it. Uh, but I'd prefer a wireless keyboard, and I can certainly live without all of those keys personally. But that's just me. I would plug it in. I still use wired everything, and like it's the desktop. Like I can. Oh, you find still a place have that, that barbaric mouse, don't you? I can find. Yeah. Wait, you use a wired mouse? A, yeah. yeah remember, oh, he uses that like ten dollar piece of junk. I do. I have a I have oh a mouse God. problem. I've had a mouse problem for a long time, and it's not the wire. It's the fact that I can't find a mouse made in this decade that I like, and so I keep <laughs> using this ancient. I have one at home and one at work. This ancient mouse that is is not a good mouse, uh, and one of them died, and I had to buy a new one on eBay. And now, like, I, I really need to find a mouse that I like. Um, and I don't have anything against wireless, although I would find the battery charging, and I, I'd be probably be fine with it. Um, although I still. I don't know, like for gaming and everything. I we were just looking at some uh, aftermarket PlayStation Four controllers, and they were wired. I was like, you know what? I'm on board with that. <laughs> I like the psychological <laughs> advantage of not not having to think about the Wi-Fi signaling process adding latency to my uh, crappy game reflexes. I need all the help I can get. Just connect it with the wire. I'm sitting in front of the thing anyway. Like anyway, um, for mouse and keyboard, both the wires are routed in such a way that the fact that they're wired does not enter into. Uh, you know, my mind. I don't see them. They don't bother me. They're all managed well. It's fine. We talked about your ridiculous mice in episode 132. They're not ridiculous. They're fine. They're just really, really, really old. And, and you know, I don't know. I just, it's difficult with mice because what do you do? Buy them, return them, buy them, return them, and just like go to a store and hold a bunch of them in your hand and try to guess which ones you like. I tried that. I bought a bunch of new ones and I was I was wrong that I, I gave them all like several weeks. I was like, no, I Go back to the old one. I, I I still say it's because of the stupid uh, original Mac mouse that I learned that I learned to mouse on, and now I just keep looking for other mice with straight vertical sides without buttons all over them. I mean, the Magic Mouse is pretty good. No, the Magic Mouse. I no, am a diehard Magic Mouse user, and, and it's terrible. It's way too flat. Way, <laughs> it's way, not way terrible if you if you, you like just hold a mouse it differently. That, yeah, if you if you're if the type of person who rests your hand on a mouse, like if you learned maybe you've learned like the iMac generation with the stupid puck, which kind of made you like because you couldn't grab the sides. But I'm a side grabber. I'm I hold the mouse. <laughs> no, I'm I the hold same the mouse way. on the side. I, I got my, yeah. my thumb and my uh, my ring finger hold the mouse, and uh, and uh, yep, and so my hand floats very far above it. It's the same here, but the nice thing is there like a lot of modern mice that are not the magic mouse are super bulbous. And so even though there's like so I'm looking at the way I'm holding my magic mouse right now, and there's you know a mile of air between the top of the mouse and my palm. 
But on a lot of the modern mice, that that will be taken up by the mouse. You know, so you can just flop your hand right on it, and it's in that same shape. Yeah. But it's but you don't have to like actually worry about holding your hand up. And I really miss that about it, the Magic Mouse. But in every other way, I think this thing is darn near perfect. So that's why I've put up with it since it since it was released. What about the right click and having to not have your left finger down? Doesn't that drive you mad? No. I honestly like I have I mean I've been using Apple's mice now for eh, probably a good six or seven years now. That took me about a half a day to get to get used to doing it correctly, and I literally never have like a misclick, like where I mean to right click and I instead like that never happens. I don't think I'd have a misclick, but like because I'm so sensitive to the RSI issues, anything that that requires me to sort of basically hold my muscles and tendons in static contraction for a brief period of time, like having anything poised over anything without allowing it to rest on it that i'm very sensitive to those type of moves so even just the briefness of like remembering to lift while i press down on the other one it's not that i would accidentally ever trigger the other behavior it's just that it is a ever so slightly more muscle stress inducing move than my my current thing and like and I'm not even saying how I use my current mouse is good RSI wise. It's just the way I happen to do it, and but but that definitely like anything that requires you to hover or hold over or lift when you didn't have to lift before, as opposed to being a more relaxed thing, is difficult. Even if it's just a matter of like changing my habits to try to relax and do the same move, I found that difficult to do. And I'm looking at how I mouse. I realize what I also do, which is the reason a lot of the the, the much more ergonomic, strictly speaking, gaming mice and everything that let you like put your whole hand on it. They're kind of shaped like if you grabbed a big blob of clay and squeezed you know like where you have your whole hand on top of the thing very large mice uh the reason those don't agree with me is that very often i rest my my palm on the mouse pad and i'm only moving the mouse with my thumb and my ring finger but my palm is stationary for fine motion you ever do that isn't that terrible i don't it's not really that good i I it probably doesn't seem that's good but it has the advantage that i'm not holding my arm and wrist up poised over the thing which, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know. I'm just saying what I do. I'm looking down at what my hand does. I do fine movements sometimes without moving my hand. I'm only moving my fingers. And you can't do that if the mouse is so large that it expects your entire hand to be on it. Because then how could your, how could like the, the, the ball of your palm or whatever be resting on the mouse? But not all the time. Like obviously when I'm mousing way across the screen, I'm not doing that. But my palm actually is fairly close to the mouse pad a lot of the time. And when I'm not moving, it goes back into rest like on the mouse pad instead of on the mouse itself. Yeah, I think I'm the same way as you. Obviously, I'm not looking at how, what what you're describing, but the way you describe it, it sounds like the exact same way I mouse. Yeah, and, 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 and that's not a good fit for the shape of the Apple Mouse. The Apple Mouse is much better if you're resting your hand on it, kind of like you're petting, petting a cute little white fuzzy mouse, you know, it's down there. <laughs> I'm surprised, Marco, that for someone who really, really has to have an ergonomic keyboard that you can ha- that you can handle having such a woefully non-ergonomic mouse i mean what it is mostly i mean mousing for whatever reason has not seemed to cause me problems uh whereas like having to type on a non-ergonomic keyboard uh like like one that doesn't have like the the split and the angle um that causes me problems quickly uh like one of the reasons i I don't use a laptop full-time uh is because i kind of can't i can use it for like you know, short periods, temporary things like trips and stuff and on planes, but after a while it hurts, and whereas regular ones don't. Mice, I've just always, for whatever reason, I've always been fine using pretty much any mouse. Uh, and what, what keeps me on the Magic Mouse, like, people who don't like the Magic Mouse dislike it so much that they are shocked when they hear somebody like a, like a computer nerd like us 
uses one of these things. And the main reason I use it is once you get used to having inertial scrolling, it is really hard not to have it. And it's totally fine. It's great. I would like those features too. Like uh, I, I envy those features of the Magic Mouse. Not enough for me to start using it because it's too low and I hit the, the right click, but I would like to use that. I like Whenever I'm using a Magic Mouse, I appreciate that feature of it and I wish it was on a mouse with a shape that I liked. Keep holding out, John. Someday. Oh, I don't have any hope of that. Oh, but it'll be it'll, it'll be the same the same event in which they unveil your gaming PC that will cost nothing. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did we mention? I don't know if I mentioned this on the show proper. Maybe I just alluded to it a few times, but it, it's worth putting in here for the for the faithful people who listen this far into the show. Did the show live up to the hello again hype that an old school Mac user like me uh, received from that invitation? No, no, it did not. Not not even close. These are not on par with the original Mac. These are not on par with the iMac. These are not on par with the iPhone that had hello in the commercial. Hello again was inappropriate if your goal was not to overhype old fogies like me. You know, you realize during the World Series that this is the one time a year that the fewest number of baseball teams are playing when there are any playing at all. Because it's just two teams. I didn't know that. I mean, you do, logically speaking, know that when the championship is going on, all the teams that are no longer in the championship aren't playing anymore, right? So, wait, so I know they play, like, five or seven games, right? It's the same two teams for all those games? Oh, my God. Do they just, like, play till somebody wins three of them or something? <laughs> it's the World Series. Like, if there's going to be... Think of it this way. There's a sports that has a bunch of teams. At one point, one team has to be the winner. You do that by process of elimination. Yeah, but right? I, I, I just assumed that there were, like, you know, maybe four or five teams that made it into the final group of games, and then they <laughs> played the... World the, Series? Then, yeah. I, I assumed it was, like, a small handful of teams, not just two. Oh. I don't know what part of the United States you grew up on where they allowed you to get to adult age without, with knowing so little about baseball. It seems like a failure of the national pastime. No, you know why? I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus does not have a pro team. It's all about Ohio State, and I don't think they do baseball. So it, it, it's a big... Oh, they do baseball. Well, okay, but nobody cares about it. So it, it, it's a... Sorry, Columbus people. So it, it's a big town <laughs> for college football. And basically, nothing like every other sport is kind of minimized in Ohio because in Columbus specifically, um, because Ohio State football is such a big deal. So there's really no room in people's like energy and my basketball a little bit, but there's really no room there for like culturally for anyone to really care that strongly about pro baseball. Anyway, the World Series is two teams. There's two leagues: the National League and the American League. The number one team from the National League plays the number one team from the American League. If you win, if you are the number one team in the National or American League, that's called winning the pennant, and then those two teams go to the World Series. Wait, so the, so winning the World Series is not winning a pennant? What do they win at the, at the end of the World Series? Winning the pennant is when you... <laughs> there's three <laughs> bases, you hit the ball, you're like, it's just, geez, like Do they win a flag at the end of the World Series? Like, what happens? Like, what are they... The trophy is terrible, the World Series trophy. But, uh, but anyway, no, there's just two teams. So what I'm saying is during the regular season... In any given day, many teams are playing. They're all playing each other to see whose win-loss record is going to be better to get into the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. But during the World Series, you're down to two teams. That's it. That's the- Wait, wait. Are the playoffs different? John, yes. Can we just stop? <laughs> this is, this is, this I is honestly useless. don't know. Anyway, the point is there's actually less baseball on than normal. Although I don't follow baseball either. For all I know, the World Series is over. Is the World Series over? Casey might know. No, it's not. All Last right. I heard, it was either tied up or two to one and is it which game number in the seven is this oh it's two to one you can figure it out what if it's two games to one they've played three games oh i thought i thought that was the score of tonight's game that was still going because baseball takes forever i figured that was the score of the game that's happening right now is there a game happening right now 
I don't know. I thought there was, but I'm not sure. He's still busy watching the toadies. Oh, my God. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like Blommer in the chat. I fell asleep and just woke up to an exasperated Syracuse explaining baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our world. Like, if I'm explaining baseball, something has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> well, the person yes. who doesn't know whether the World Series is over yet. This is the, everything is relative. You have to like take your entire scale and skew it way over to one end, and then you're into the ATP zone for sports. <laughs> uh, it is not today. They are playing game three on Friday, so it is tied one to one. They are playing game three tomorrow. So they've each won one game, and they just play till somebody that's wins. Usually four of them, I guess. Correct. Right. So that's that's why they don't always play all seven games. Correct. Okay. You okay? Do you need an aspirin? I know I, I'm I'm good because I I will I will see none of these games. I will know mostly not what happens in them, except at the end. I, I know that it's meaningful because it hasn't happened in a very long time. That I guess the Cubs are in it. They're one of the two teams. Mm-hmm. So I know I know that's significant. Do you know about the goat curse? No. See all these things that you could know about baseball that are fun sounding. I don't know. Uh, the goat curse is so ridiculous. So I don't. This doesn't sound fun to me. It's not. It's, it's <laughs> oh, here, here's the fun part of it. The the origin of the goat curse is from a time when you could bring your goat to the baseball game with you. Apparently, yikes! <laughs> like go to the park, go into the stands, go find your seat, but bring your goat. Because it was like it was the 40s, right? It was a long, very long time ago, right? Yes, yeah, a very long time ago. But surely you can appreciate the idea of bringing your goat to the baseball game. And who who are they? What's the other team that's in the series? Cleveland. Oh, well, who cares about them? As as someone pointed out in a tweet, it's Seraph or Sans Seraph, because their logos are both C's, but one has Seraphs. That was pretty magnificent. I don't remember who that was. So, it, uh, I mean, it's got to be a little bit hard to be the Cleveland whatevers in this series, because, like, basically nobody wants them to win. Like, everybody wants the Cubs to win, because it would be so amazing, right? People in Cleveland want them to win. Do they really? <laughs> but, like, wouldn't, wouldn't even... Yes, they really do. But wouldn't even they be like really, really happy to see the Cubs win it? I don't think you understand how sports works. <laughs> sports fandom works. Wouldn't they be happy for the other team that hadn't won in a long time? No. <laughs> they want them to die. Plus, Cleveland already won the NBA championship. Right. And so if they were to win the MLB exactly. championship, yeah. that would be no. a huge big deal as well. So that that is all the justification a Cleveland fan needs to be all about Cleveland and screw the Cubs do people like cross sports a lot like that like do, do they really care like that things happen across different sports in the same city is that a thing do you care if apple releases great iphones and macs i mean they're two different things from the same company it's a very weak analogy but my it's it's, it's still the same thing yeah, so it's about fandom you know, and about pr- being proud of where you live for completely illogical reasons although well Reasons that are explicable in terms of uh, tribalism, but don't make any sense. Anyway, whatever. Yes, people love it. They love it. Red Sox win. Patriots win. They love it. Can we please make accidental sports podcast where you just you just explain a sport to me every week? I already have the title of our sports podcast would clearly be the blind leading the blind. <laughs> that would be our sports podcast. You're like sports. How do they work? Although I could explain, I, I feel like I am, a, I, I am a fairly big expert in tennis, so at least there's one sport that I understand very, very thoroughly. But even that, I don't, actually, even that, I don't understand all the particulars of the intricacies of the different kinds of, like, like the, uh, the mechanisms of the league. I just understand the game itself. Wow. We should do an F1 podcast. Oh, that would be good. One stone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. You know, McLaren's more of a technology company. <laughs> <laughs> 
actually they're more of a carbon fiber manufacturer. Actually, McLaren's more of a food service company, if you think about it, really. Oh, I can't believe we're still going. I guess we're not mm-hmm. now, but... I was surprisingly fired up after this thing, too. I don't know why. I'm all worked up. You should go watch some sport. Mm, no, I don't do that singular crap. Yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> Total. <laughs> Get my maths mixed up with my sport. I feel like sport should be pronounced like with a silent T, like spore. Yeah, why don't you... Uh... Yeah, watch your sport while you do some maths. That's just no, stop. That's why it's that's why their English is a rough draft. So, oh, I forgot to ask, did your uh flippies or whatever lose? What happened? Hokies won. Oh, okay. That and that's the one you were rooting for. Right. That's yeah, correct. That's, yeah, cool. Congratulations for something. Yay. Actually, it's a good season. We're bowl qualified now. Wait, for which aren't there like 10 bowls? Which bowl? There's like 100 bowls, but you have to have six wins. So enough bowls to go around. It's it's like the trophies for like little kids say everyone gets a trophy and everyone gets a bowl. Not everyone gets to play in them though, but almost everyone. Enough so everyone feels good about themselves. 